Chevy Equinox with forward collision alert, automatic emergency braking, and available all-wheel drive. It's my ultimate mobile device. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule a test drive. Chevy Equinox. It's your choice. Own it. We've got a lot of things planned for tonight, but uh, we're also going to be paying attention to the uh, the shooting that happened at the Texas Mall. Hmm. And we may be uh, interrupted periodically by some information. They've been waiting to start a press conference yeah. for about a half hour now, and it looks like some uh, some people are getting organized to do just that. We We are also seeing that now CNN is reporting that of the nine people that were injured that Ron reported on, uh, two of them are officially fatalities at this point and uh they have apparently there were well now we're seeing that there were nine killed in the texas mall shooting okay we're going to need to breaking news from um from cnn CNN. yeah Yeah. so um our newsroom we talked to ron before our show started tonight we said we've got a lot of things planned but at any point that you need to jump in that's how we we do this yeah um, we were going to start off telling you about the fact that we are, in fact, in Panama City, Florida. Once again, we are broadcasting from WKGC uh, at uh, Gulf Coast State College. And uh, we're thrilled to be here. It's like summertime here. And as we're driving it tonight, uh, we were driving past some of the 65,000 bikers that are down here for Thunder Beach. And that's a small turnout. Yeah. We were told that's small because we've been here for the the uh, fall winter uh, Thunder Beach where seventy five to a hundred thousand and we live just one mile from the gathering spot, so there's just kind of like a, a low rumble. Um, it literally it got its name Thunder Beach because wherever you are, it sounds like, <laughs> like thunder, the, the roar of thunder in the yes. background, and a little bit of a vibration to the earth too when you mm-hmm. have sixty five thousand cyclists m- motoring by you. We have uh, a couple things uh, that we want to make you aware of tonight. Uh, one of them being that uh, tonight, the keeper of the big plug is our buddy Adam Phillips. Yes, Adam. Hey, guys. Uh, did you draw the sh- short straw tonight? I did. Is I drew it for a Saturday night. <laughs> for, what, did you have plans already and you got called in? No, no. I got, um, one of our engineers wanted to take a night out to go to a concert oh. tonight, so they asked me if oh, I okay. can cover the shift tonight. I said, I had not go down. Why not? Okay, I thought you probably had a, a like a half a cow on the grill. No, not tonight. No, maybe <laughs> not tomorrow. Tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Because <laughs> Adam is the consummate, consummate. Uh, the the consummate grill keeper chef. of the big plug too. And yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know that was my one of my first uh, responsibilities when I started WGS to keep the the big plug. From <laughs> That's Ed, right. Yes. Ed Wilk used to hand it over to me every night and said, "You gotta keep track of this on the calendar." God bless oh. Ed Wilk. Mm-hmm. God bless him, yes. Also, uh, Adam, I don't know if you know this, but tonight is Andrew's last night with us. You know, I did know that. He's moving on to Lisa. Yeah. Well, actually, he's been with Lisa, but oh. he's been trying to do Lisa's show and do our show. And finally, he realized, you know, I'd really like to have a weekend someplace. Yeah, yeah fun fact, seven days, uh, working seven days in a row, week after week after week, isn't healthy fun. No, little, little it's fun not. fact for y'all. Yeah. Well, you know what? We gave you a month to do that, and you're going after tonight. It's going to be a month. You're going to have a yep. month under your belt when you say, "You know what? I'm walking. That's it. I've tried." 
In our studio uh, down in Florida, we have uh, Caleb Jordan and Tom Hoots, and uh, they're going to be uh, riding herd on us for a while tonight. Actually, I think Tom is going to be riding out down the road in just a little bit, right, Tom? Yeah, I think I'm going to head out of here real shortly. Okay. Uh, but uh, you're in good hands here. We've got uh, we've got uh, uh, Caleb Jordan up here with you. And, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't learned Andrew's lesson yet, but I feel like I'm working on it. <laughs> That's yeah. right, because you're working Monday through Friday, and then you're coming in to work with us. Yeah. And, and we should mention, uh, coming up a little later tonight, we're going to be talking with a, a dear friend that we haven't talked to in uh, too long a time. He's a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, he is a, an extraordinary... Uh, you, you've seen him on the Grand Ole Opry. He's written so many songs. He's run, uh, won songwriter awards. Uh, Bill Anderson. Yes. Whispering Bill Anderson is going to be joining us later tonight. Also later tonight, the guy who is really kind of responsible for us sitting where we're sitting right now, and we'll explain all that later. He's a terrific comedian that you may have heard on this show before, and we'll explain that a little later tonight. Jason Hedden is going to be joining us. By day, he's an educator. By night, he's a comedian. And also later tonight, Jack and Jen, the group that we first told you about a couple weeks ago, they're going to be joining us. And uh, they have a whole new album that, uh, in fact, they're going to announce the title of their album on our Mm -hmm. show later tonight. Yes, they've been teasing us. We don't even know it, but they said they would Mm -hmm. do that tonight on the program. And I want to do just a quick uh, round robin, if I may. If you follow us on Facebook, and we hope that you do, we give you a little rundown, a little advance notice where we're going to be and when we're going to be on the radio and who's going to be with us. And we always ask you if you're going to be tuned in, where are you tuned in? Uh, tonight we've got folks listening to us in Nashville, which is appropriate. Cool. So thank you, Joe Smith, for tuning in. Kansas City is listening tonight. bunch of people in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is always well represented on the Steve and Johnny Show, and we appreciate that. We've got a lot of folks in Indiana, Crawfordsville, Munster, Hobart tuned in. Uh, Michigan City, Indiana, uh, uh, Walkerton. I'm not familiar with Walkerton, Indiana, but Paul Osha is listening to us from there. And uh, again, our buddies uh, that make up the Cornerstones of Rock, they've got a big show going on tonight mm-hmm. at the Egyptian Theater out in DeKalb. Yep. And some of our friends, our listeners, were en route to DeKalb. And cool. then they realized it's a fur piece because they were listening to WGN on the way out there and mm-hmm. said, that's where we're going, but we'll be listening as soon as we get done with the show. And I bet it's going to be a, a great Right one. Well, that's cool. And uh, coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to our friend Barry Butler. If you don't know the name Barry Butler, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. You know, you know of him. You just yep. don't, maybe you don't know it's him. He's the guy that makes our city just look so gorgeous. Uh, Mike Lowe over at Channel 9 uh, aptly named him Chicago's picture a poet picture poet because he's the one that takes these amazing pictures and he's got his second book of photos of chicago coming out he's going to tell us how you can get your hands on it it's going to be um chicago um morning noon and night and that's what barry's all about so stay tuned and we'll introduce you to barry so that and more coming up stay with us on wgn steve king and johnny putman at wgn radio uh, we're keeping an eye on the breaking news coming out of Texas. Uh, officials now are confirming nine dead in the mall shooting. And uh, Ron Brown will have an update on the bottom of the hour. And uh, regardless of what we're doing throughout the night, 
We're going to be paying attention to some of the breaking news there. And uh, no, I'm curious to find out if the nine den, if that includes the shooter, right? Because uh, all of this has kind of changed in the last 20 minutes. Because yeah. for the longest time, it was nine people who were taken to the hospital, nine victims, and that the shooter had been taken out. And uh, we did have a report in the nine o'clock news where there was video uh, of him uh, running through the mall, and, and I'm not sure if that's still up mm-hmm. there. But wearing the tactical uh, garb, uh, all black, and uh, also, uh, I think it was probably in the last fifteen minutes that they reported they were confirming that. Uh, sadly, now yeah. we're looking at uh, nine victims. So we're we're going to be keeping an eye on that uh, as we go through the night. Uh, we have a number of things planned for you tonight, and uh, we're going to uh, segue a little bit now. And we're going to, uh, in a second, we're going to be talking with the man who has been termed the Chicago's Picture Poet. I love that term. I do too. That'd be a, a T-shirt for our guest. And as we talk about him, uh, all of a sudden, Ringo Starr starts playing in the jukebox in my head. Ringo? Photograph, uh, that is one of the songs that we use to uh, introduce the man who is uh, just one of the most extraordinary photographers we've ever seen. And he's the way I start my day. I know thousands of people do the same thing. We go to Facebook to see what our city looks like. Thanks to Barry Butler, who we know has been out there trolling around trying to find the perfect shot. Hey, Barry, how are you doing? Well, good evening, and uh, certainly hearts go out to all those people in, uh, in Dallas today. Yes. Crazy, crazy times, guys. You know? Absolutely. Um, you, you, you but, know, uh, I, thanks for having I, me out tonight. Uh, I, I, I do appreciate it. You, you start off with my photos. I start off with coffee. <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit of a segue. Once again, sadly, we're talking about uh, it's another Saturday night and more shootings. And I I think that is one of the many, many reasons that people love your photography, because it, it presents a different form of reality. It reminds us that even with all of the crazy that is going on in the world, there is a lot of beauty in the world. And boy, do you capture some of the beauty in Chicago. And people can follow Barry Butler on Facebook, on Twitter, or his website, which is BarryButlerPhotography.com. So I guess at the, at the top, Barry, I'd like to personally thank you for that, oh. that bright spot in my day, because that's what you do for us. You know, in my head, I'm, I, I'm always trying to find the positive. And, um, and, and there's a lot of it. And even when we have a storm coming tonight, uh, there'll be some positive out of that uh, that I try to find uh, as the uh, lightning strikes the, the skyline here, So, which I think will probably... Happen a little bit in the uh, eleven o'clock hour tonight. By the way, and and we have seen before. Uh, Barry is. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Obsessed, maybe just crazy. I don't know. <laughs> because he will go out of his way to find out what the weather is going to be, so he can position himself in the perfect place. There was a photo that you put up. It was an older photo, but it's one of your classic photos. It was the moonrise right between the two towers on the top of the Sears, yes, I'm calling it the Sears Tower, and the moon is right positioned. It's just an incredible photograph. How much time do you spend just looking at the weather 
and looking at how the lighting is going to be in different places to get those photographs. It is uh, uh, constant, actually. <laughs> I mean, I plan I plan my shots uh, twenty four hours ahead of time, but you know, like tonight, you know, I, I've been following the the weather forecast for geez, the last two hours, just trying to figure out where where the lightning will come through and uh, where we'll possibly have some interesting, uh, you know, opportunities to take some shots tonight. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm constantly uh, seeing what's happening because. The, especially along the lake here, um, the the system constantly changes. So you, mm-hmm. you know, and and the old joke is, you know, you wait five minutes and the weather changes in Chicago. From a photographic standpoint, it is constantly changing. So I got to kind of keep my eye on that because uh, you never know what will happen. Who's your go-to? Or maybe this is not fair to ask. I was going to say, who's your go-to weather person to get the data that you oh, need? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble now. I know, because <laughs> I know you have some favorites, and they're really good to you, and they use your photographs on their in in their weather forecast uh, as they should. Uh, because as we say, sometimes I see these pictures, and I bet you hear this a lot. Are those photoshopped pictures? Right, Barry? Yeah, they're, you hear they're, that. They're, they're, they're completely fake. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually sleeping uh, during uh, all that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you know what? It would it'd be so much easier to do it that way. Uh, but no, I, I'm up at uh, all crazy hours. And, uh, and uh, you know, if I'm going to go out and uh, make that effort, I'm going to make sure that I capture whatever I can in the camera. So, uh, no, it is what it is, guys. Um, you know, and, and quite honestly, when you look at those photographs, at least what I do, I see, you know, definitely some faults. Um, you know, but I don't want to sit there and manipulate that stuff because I, you know, I, I grew up when we took photographs with film, and mm-hmm. so I learned how to get it right in the camera the first time. The blatant plug light has just gone on, and uh, it says that we should ask you about your upcoming book, Chicago Morning, Noon, and Night. So tell us about it. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, well, it's uh, it's my second book. I released a book uh, three years ago, which was uh, Chicago, a city above all. And uh, this one is, it's almost, uh, your, your segue into the book is kind of interesting because the whole idea is, you know, one of the things that people constantly ask me is, do you ever sleep? And so I said, you know what, let's, let's do a book on that where, you know, I have throughout the entire day photographs. And then I started um, saying, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll like timestamp every photograph. And I was, as I was putting the book together, I'm like, you know what, they're right. I, I, I'm absolutely crazy. Look at some of these hours I'm actually taking the photographs at. So uh, maybe they're right. Uh, they, they, they start wondering, you know, do I actually sleep? So there are um, three chapters, which is morning, uh, afternoon, and evening, or nighttime. And then I have uh, another chapter on the exhibit that I have at uh, Navy Pier, which is uh, flow of water brings life to Chicago. So there's a little bit of a retrospective of what I've had over at um, Navy Pier now for uh, almost the last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's more than 100 photos of, without a doubt, the prettiest city in America. And uh, it's throughout the day. You're going to see shots that I took at 312 in the morning <laughs> on Sunday. Um, and, and, but no matter the time, the city of Chicago looks absolutely pretty. And if people want to get a copy of the book, uh, or the book, yeah. <laughs> how do they get a copy of the book? 
Uh, you just go right to my website. I'm, I'm doing a pre-sale right now. Um, it's uh, 20% off through tomorrow, oh, and then that'll change. Uh, but it's uh, BarryButlerPhotography.com. And um, if you like the first book, I know you're going to like this one. So you're giving our listeners a break, a 20% break, if they want to sign up and you know, pre-order their book tonight. That's awesome. You know, Johnny, that's the kind of guy I am. I know. <laughs> if you will, please sit tight, Barry Butler, and we will come back with you after we get an update on our news from WGN. Taking pictures. Nobody does it better than the man who is our guest right now, Barry Butler. Uh, his new book is Chicago Morning, Noon, and Night. You can check out his website, BarryButlerPhotography.com. Barry, for people who know your work but they don't know you, and you've been kind enough to join us many times over the years, but can we take you into the Wayback Machine and ask you to uh, tell us a little bit about your history? When you were a little Barry Butler, did you think you were going to grow up to be a photographer? (laughs) No, no, not one bit. Um, You know, the reason why I ended up really getting serious about a camera is because I broke my collarbone playing hockey. And I was told that I couldn't uh, have any significant activity for about eight months. That's how bad it was. Heck, I couldn't even drive for three months. That's uh, how significant the injury was. So uh, I'm one person who just always seems to be active and mm-hmm. on the go. And I said, okay, what, what, what can I do with one arm? And I'm like, okay, well, why don't I buy a tripod and teach myself photography? And that's how it all started. But yeah, no, I. But, see, <laughs> that photography. Was never on my mind. That would be the last thing I would think about doing if I had just one working arm. I feel like you need a couple of arms and a lot of fingers to do that. Well, you know what? Uh, when you uh, go get a tripod, you can do a lot of things. And so I would just put the camera on a tripod and I would carry it around and, and that's how it all got started. And to this day, I'm adamant about, uh, using a tripod all the time with the exception is when, uh, I'm in a helicopter, but otherwise my camera is typically sitting on a tripod. You don't want to use a a tripod tripod in a helicopter? How odd. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of a photographer are you? Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I get lazy. I can't help myself. Like that, huh? Barry, are you saying are you saying that you wanted to be a professional hockey player? Is that what your goal was? Your dream? Oh, oh gosh, no, no. Uh, uh, that would have been nice, uh, but no, that would have never happened. Uh, but you know, it just <laughs> you know, it just it just happened. You know, and you know, it's funny. I, I I have had a variety of series of things that have happened in my life, and it's always been injury related. Uh, that my life has taken a different turn, wow. and that's what happened 25 years ago. So, that's... but yeah, no, I, um, I I always was fascinated with photography. At least uh, you know my teenage years, uh, mm-hmm. you know, following either concert photography or uh, sports photography. That was you know just interesting. Because I always put up photos on my walls in my bedroom and so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. But um, but it never from a standpoint of let's go out and take photos of waterfalls and lightning hitting buildings you know that 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 was mm-hmm. not in my head 25 years ago did did we meet about 40 years ago because i feel like our paths crossed sometime in the early 80s oh gosh i don't know uh oh, it, never it, mind let's move on <laughs> hmm, now wait a minute i need to explore this so never mind <laughs> hmm 
<laughs> no, you, yes, I was I was a, a, um, a struggling hockey player, and, yeah. <laughs> and I, ran, I ran into Barry Butler. Yes, jo- Johnny you know, and I were talking. You had, that, you had that ponytail sticking out the back of the helmet. Yeah, that's it. I yeah, that was a giveaway. <laughs> yes, Johnny and I were talking off the air, uh, and to get a little bit serious for a second uh, earlier. Along with the story we've been talking uh, out of Texas, uh, there was the story of the Chicago police officer who wound up being shot. Yeah, a 24-year-old woman off duty this morning, shot and killed. Just an, uh, such a sad, sad story. Shooter hasn't been found, caught. And we were, we were wondering... When you go out, because you're out at all hours of the day, you're at all locations around Chicago, are you ever concerned for your safety? And if so, what do you do? Uh, I'm always concerned about my safety. Um, You know, my easiest, you know, or my best defense right now is I have two uh, dogs that are over 80 pounds, and... um, Though they're the nicest dogs in the world, I know that they are a great protection for me. Um, and I usually don't get hassled by people because of the fact that those those two big you know dogs. But on the hand, on the other hand, that that only goes so far, you know. So um, you know, I you know it's funny. You, you go back to the hockey um, you know fun that I used to have, and when you play defense, they always said they always would tell you to make sure your head is on a swivel. And so my head is typically on a swivel. I, as much as I try to keep as, you know, no pun intended, focused on my shot, I'm always kind of looking around because you just never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, you know, that, that has been, you know, I, I have been real serious about taking photographs around Chicago for about 12, 13 years, somewhere right around there. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that feeling of just have to be smart, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and know where to be and where not to be. Um, try to stay visible. Uh, you know, fortunately, most of the time, and don't jinx me now, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, usually along the lake uh, in some of the spots I typically will go, I don't usually have too many issues, but, um, yeah, anything can happen. I've been, I have been in the middle of gunfights, um, oh. but that had nothing to do with photography. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, but that happens in many cities. Do you often take a picture and when you get home, you say, oh, I didn't see that when I took the picture? Um, yeah, it, it, and usually when that happens, um, you know, it could be like a bird or uh, a boat that happened to creep into one of my shots. Uh, mm-hmm. That's usually what happens. Because, um, you know, I, I'm rolling. I, you know, I, I'll... I'll take a shot, and then I move, and then I go on to the next thing. So, um, you know, every once in a while, there's a nice little little surprise in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not often. Um, I know when I was taking some shots of the lighthouse on, now today's what, Saturday? On Thursday, uh, just a, a huge flock of birds were flying over the lighthouse, and I didn't, I didn't see that initially when I took the shot. And then when I went back, I'm like, ooh. Now, that really adds some, some fun to that shot. So, yeah. I, you know, it was one of the ones I posted. One of my favorite pictures, and ironically, it was taken from the 18th floor of the WGN studios, and I was shooting 
toward the lighthouse. I wanted to capture the lighthouse. I think mm-hmm. we're going to be talking to you that day about the lighthouse and saving the lighthouse and restoring the lighthouse. And I honestly didn't know until after I took the picture that floating right behind the lighthouse was one of the tall ships. And it was like, oh, awesome. thank you. Thank you, universe, for putting that tall ship there just as I took a picture. And I had one of those lucky accidents happen just this week. And, uh, uh, Barry, uh, you and I are Facebook friends, so uh, you can go to my personal page. And take a look at the picture that I did earlier this week. We were at one of the beaches down here in uh, Panama City Beach. And... We were sitting over where we were looking out at the beach area, and Johnny was taking a picture of the beach. So we're sitting in the car. I look over and see Johnny taking this picture. I take a picture of Johnny taking a picture of the beach. As the, and I didn't even notice this until a friend of ours pointed out, as you look at this picture, you see... Johnny in the car with her camera. You see the beach. You see her camera. But then if you zoom in on her camera, you see the reflection of her smile. And I'm smiling. And it was and just one of those lucky accidents that neither of us realized till after the picture got posted. So I appreciate our buddy Anthony for pointing out that you captured me in that. But that was one of those happy accidents. And I said, thank goodness I was smiling and didn't have my serious... I'm taking a picture face. Don't bother me. <laughs> Are you having now, more Steve, fun? I, 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 I saw that shot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. why don't you tell everyone the title that you gave that shot? Because that was the part that really I enjoyed. And uh, I thought it was really I, nice of I, you I to actually I, say that. I, I think I said something like um, uh, a beauty taking a picture of more beautiful beauty. things or something a like beauty that taking a picture of beauty yes. more of more beauty yes yeah that yeah. was very that sweet was, and that was nice johnny that, and, ha- that had to make you feel good i hope it certainly did and here i was smiling even before i knew he was going to say that so that was pretty cool <laughs> we're talking with barry butler so Bar- barry's got a new book that's going to be coming out and the target date for the release of the book is what barry late summer it probably should be uh august um good Somewhere right around there, so that's why I'm doing the pre-sale now. Um, you know, the, these days, you know, unlike when I was releasing a book during the pandemic, um, I think it's a little bit more uh, predictable when I'll have my books, but it right. uh, should be right around then. And that's going to be just in time for folks to get it for Christmas presents, too. You do, yeah. do a little early exactly. Christmas shopping. And the book will be entitled Chicago Morning, Noon, and Night. And if you'd like to pre-order your book at BarryButlerPhotography.com, until tomorrow you can get a 20% discount on that book, and then he's going to lift that pre-order. Well, you can continue to pre-order it. Is that correct? You're just going to lift the discount? That's, yes. Okay. Yeah, the, the, yeah 20%, off, and 20% off ends tomorrow. Okay, and you're going to head out tonight, and uh, you're going to look for it. So it's going to be rainy tonight. That's what you're hoping to get some more lightning yeah, strikes. Yeah, uh, I actually just saw some lightning over the lake right now uh, as we were talking, <laughs> and uh, should really be downtown around eleven o'clock. And I think then we'll have another wave around two, three o'clock in the morning. So okay. it's going to be a busy night. But um, you know, the nice thing about lightning or 
what I at least try to do every time I take a photograph. I try to ch- capture a moment that won't be replicated. Mm-hmm. And um, when there's those lighttime, nighttime shots of the city, lightning certainly uh, provides those type of moments. And can I just say before we let you go, because we want to get you out on the street so you can do your photography, if you share Barry's pictures on your page, credit Barry Butler. Yes. I have called a couple of my friends on that. I said, ah, uh-huh, you don't be putting that up because it looks like you're trying to pass it off as yours. And fair is fair. You've got to, you, yep. you have to say it's Barry's picture. Simple as that. You know, when Johnny turns into a police officer, you really got to be careful. You know, so when she says, don't do it, she means business. Hit the streets now. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Good so talking nice to you, Barry. With you guys. You take care of yourself. You too. Now he has put the song uh, Lightning Strikes by Lou Christie okay. in the jukebox in my head. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, that, that that is your assignment. During the break, dig up Lightning Strikes by uh, Lou, Lou Christie. Christie. We'll see if that happens. Uh, After we get back on WGN, that song was on the jukebox in my head after our conversation with Barry Butler, and I had to share that with the class. That's also one of those songs that wound up being banned by some radio stations, and because of the ban, Lou Christie had to go back in the studio and re-record it. The original lyrics were, And in that car, our love went much too far. Some radio station said, yeah, no. You couldn't even understand that. I know. But he went back in the studio, and they changed the lyrics to, And in that car, love came like a falling star. Oh, gosh. That's much different, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a little heavier. So, so now I think if you, I think there is a uh, a Lou Christie anthology that has both versions of that on that. But that was a big deal for some radio stations wow. in the Midwest, in Chicago. Some radio stations, no, we can't play that. Oh, you've re-recorded it. Well, maybe okay. It's so cheesy too. It's we a good need song, to do, some night. We should do. We should do a a band records. Yes. Uh, band records bumps. For the whole show, right? And in some places, play the alternate versions of the band records. Except for Louis Louis, we would just played Louis Louis. Yeah, no one understood the lyrics of Louis <laughs> Louis, but because no one could understand the lyrics, it was banned in Indiana. But Indiana was also the state that banned. Uh, they're coming to take me away. away. First radio station I worked at WJOB in Hammond. When that record came out, we couldn't play that because. The thought was, well, someone who just got out of an asylum could be affected by that song. Yes. They're coming to take me away. Ho, ho, ha, ha, he, he, ho, ho, ha, he, That's been back when programmers were big softies. And, and the flip side of that song was that song played backwards because they didn't have enough money for another <laughs> session. Seriously. That's sad, too. <laughs> <laughs> Might have even been better backwards. See what you missed, Caleb? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, programmers used to be so considerate. Yeah, I know, so, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we can't. Well, in fact, we worked for a programmer at this radio station mm-hmm. who nixed our New Year's Day playing yes. of Jim Backus singing Delicious. Because have you ever saw, heard that song? No. Yes. It's Jim Backus. You know Jim Backus, um, uh, Mr. Magoo. Okay. The yeah. voice of Mr. Magoo. 
And uh, what was the other TV show he was on? Uh, um, oh, uh, Gilligan's Island. Yeah, Gilligan's yeah. Island. But he did this sort of Mr. Magooish voice. <laughs> and it was, I forget who the fee person was that was on it with him. But they started on drinking. And as they drank, it got more and more delicious. <laughs> so it's delicious. Have some more. Because he's drinking. And it's a silly comedy song, but a program director got really, really upset and said, You will not play that on New Year's Day. Day. The day when people are going, Oh, my head. Ow. But that, that was the same uh, time that we got in trouble for playing a song by the Irish Rovers. <laughs> of all people. Called, Wasn't That a Party? <laughs> Which was a song about, yeah, wasn't that a party? But it was... Well, again, we we sang that song and said, it's uh, New Year's Day, and you ain't going to play it. Simple as that. And you know why you're not going to play it? Because it's not going to be in the music library for you to find, to play. And we didn't have the internet, so we couldn't go someplace and dig it up. Worse than any of that, Uh oh. and this happened at this radio station, at WGN, we don't know who it was, we used to have... This is back in the Tribune Tower, and it was a uh, a big music library where, where literally you had uh, racks and racks. It was like a regular library, and you had racks and racks of albums. Somebody went into those albums, took a knife, and scratched every single Beatles album. I know, you're stunned. To think that you might know someone who would do that. Yeah. We walked around looking like, who would do that? What the, who the, how the... Yeah. What? And these were the original releases, and yeah. many of them were disc jockey releases. Which now would be worth uh, the yeah. bazillion and a half dollars. Yeah. They, they would probably be locked up someplace for fear that they would end up walking. That That's how valuable yeah. they would be now. The voice well, in my head says we have to stop talking, but, so we're going to do that. But after the news... Speaking of music, we are going to talk to country music legend and he is that and more bill anderson will be joining us here on wgn why do i feel that the radio police are going to arrest me if i talk over I a whisper in bill anderson song there is a law that says yes, you do I, not do that you looked at me and i said I know, no, i'm not we're talking over that that of course is the voice of the country music legend bill anderson and we are tickled to have him on the radio with us tonight because this man is so incredibly busy uh bill thank you for joining us tonight on wgn well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to say hello to you again. It's been yes, a long time. It sure has. Uh, I think it was the last time we saw you when, I will never forget the night, we were down in Nashville. You were emceeing at the Grand Ole Opry, and we were backstage at the Grand Ole Opry, and you were nice enough to introduce us, and when you brought us out on stage, we, we were kind of surprised, and uh, Johnny walked out carrying her purse. I walked out carrying Wait, a bag. And, and I had a shopping bag. I had a shopping bag from, from the Opryland Hotel. <laughs> it looked like it Johnny in. was trying to do a mini pearl routine. <laughs> that, Did you have the price tag on your hat? Well, you know, anytime you do that, you think of mini pearl for sure. 
<laughs> Bill, we've got to we've got to reminisce a little bit because it has been a while. We spent so many fun nights overnight with you and our then news uh, man, Dick, Dick Sutliff. Sutliff. And uh, we got brownie points every time we talked to Bill Anderson on the radio, um, as far as Dick Sutliff was concerned. But if we can, Bill, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised. Um, the song that we started with, Still, was the first biggie for you, right? For you as that, a... That was your first big crossover record. As an artist, yeah, it was. It was 1963. I was four years old. it's hard to believe 60 years ago but prior to that you had written as a teenager you had written the song city lights Mm -hmm. right and that's what opened all the doors for me in the music business i was working as a disc jockey down in a little town called commerce georgia Mm -hmm. wrote city lights on top of the tallest building in town which was three stories high (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it got to the great Ray Price. He recorded it. It became a number one record. And I could come to Nashville after that and say, hey, uh, I write songs. And I wrote one called City Lights. Would you like to hear some more? And yeah. fortunately, a lot of people said they would. And I've been here ever since trying to figure out what's going on. Wasn't it in the early 60s that you were inducted into the Grand Ole Opry? I was made an opera member in uh, July of 1961, yeah. That's amazing. And and we should say, for anybody who's going to be in Nashville, or if you are able to pick up the Opry on Circle Television, you're going to be on the Opry a couple of times a month of May, right? Well, I am. I'm not touring out on the road and traveling and all like I did for so many years. So I try to go out to the Grand Ole Opry whenever I can, three or four times a month, and see my friends and visit with the folks and the fans and uh, just make sure I still remember how to walk on the stage and which way to face. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Where my parking place is. Yes. Becoming a member of the Grand Ole Opry, that was one of many, many career achievements. Uh, But every time I look at Bill Anderson's biography, it keeps being updated with more and more and more achievements. One of the most recent, uh, a wonderful thing that happened with you and Dolly Parton. And I'll let you explain that so people don't get the wrong idea. No, I think we all just let it hang and let them figure it out for themselves. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I want to start all the rumors I can start about me and Dolly Parton. Okay. <laughs> I had a song that uh, me and a couple of my buddies wrote a couple of years ago, right about the time that COVID came along, a little bit before. The song was called Someday It'll All Make Sense. And I had recorded the song by myself, just as my, you know, a vocalist on the record, and was about ready to put it out when a strange set of circumstances happened and came along. Dolly heard the song. She heard my recording of it. She wanted to put her voice on it. She put her voice on it. We ended up with a duet record. Uh, a video that uh, got several million views uh, all around the world. And on top of all of that, we ended up with a Grammy nomination. Yep. How cool is that? About as cool as it gets. It really doesn't get a whole lot better than that. And the thing of it is, you know, you sit around and you plan all of these things, and you say, okay, I'm going to do it this way and that way, and, Mm -hmm. and you have all this strategy, and then something comes along just totally out of left field like this, and it just happens. And I think really and truly, 
when it happens that way, I think maybe that's the greatest blessing of all, uh, yeah. to be surprised by, by the way things happen. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Bill Anderson. And if you haven't heard the song that we're talking about, we'll let you hear a little bit of that. But I would recommend when you have a chance, seek out the video because they both are wonderful cruising around in this great old car. Uh, But we'll come back. We got a lot more ground to cover with the one and only Bill Anderson here on WGN. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Bill Anderson, one of the most awarded songwriters in the history of country music. Millions selling recording artist and as we said at the outset uh, his first hit was in 1963 so we're talking a few years ago but just last year he and Dolly recorded Someday It Will All Make Sense and it uh, went on to get nominated for a Grammy and Bill you attended the Grammys with one of your grandkids didn't you? Well I didn't know actually I attended it with uh, with my son who had never been to anything like oh. that he's an airline pilot and uh, he was able to arrange his schedule to be in Los Angeles at the same time the Grammys were going on and we had a wonderful time we didn't win but hey when you get nominated for a Grammy that's uh, that's 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 kind of like winning all unto itself Well now you have uh you have won Grammys for songwriting as I recall, this was your first vocal Grammy nomination, right? Well, I haven't. No, I had actually never won a Grammy. I've been nominated for five oh. and uh, never won one. Maybe someday I will. I don't know if I do. That's wonderful. But I never got in this business to see how many awards I could win, that kind of thing anyway. I got into it because I love the music and uh, I've had a very blessed life and a very fulfilling career. Amen to that. (laughs) And I don't mean to embarrass you, but one of the things I have always appreciated about your presentation is that you are wonderfully old school. And here's where I'm going with that. We are currently in Panama City Beach, and we're broadcasting back to WGN in Chicago. But while we're down here, our cable company is able to pick up Coffee Country and Cody. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, this is Bill Cody and his friends on WSM, and this is the TV simulcast of that show. And it's on from 7 in the morning till 10. Being an early morning show, there are any of a number of people (laughs) who show up looking like they just got out of bed because they just got out of bed. But when Bill Anderson is on that show... He's dressed. He's ready. I mean, I, you just you blow me away with your presentation. You're always ready to perform, and that that is a wonderful old school side of your personality that I love, Bill. Well, I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, the reason I look like that is I never went to bed. I just stayed. <laughs> 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 no, you know, I, uh, I, I I love the the way you said that wonderfully old school. I don't know if I've ever heard those words put together in the same sentence before. You know, it's usually always, you know, he's yesterday's news, uh, an old dinosaur no. or something. But, no. um, yeah, that was the way that, that I was taught to do it. That's the way I b- was brought up. Uh, I mean, I came to town when I looked up to the people like uh, the great Eddie Arnold and and people who knew how to present themselves, and I just mm-hmm. always felt like that was was part of the part of my responsibility. 
you mentioned earlier that you were a disc jockey in Commerce, Georgia, before you made it in Nashville. I, I tend to recall that there was also a love of baseball, that there was something you wanted to do with baseball. Yeah, I wanted to pitch at Wrigley Field. <laughs> <laughs> something little like that. The Chicago Cubs were my very first favorite baseball team. I'll oh. tell you how far back I go. Boy, this is really going to date things. The first baseball game I ever remember hearing on the radio was the 1945 World Series between oh. the Chicago Cubs and the Detroit Tigers. Oh. And uh, I can name you some players right now that played for the Cubs, and they were one of my favorite teams, my very first favorite team. And when I got to high school and began uh, pitching a little bit and having some success, my dream was uh, someday maybe I can go to Wrigley Field and and, uh, pitch a baseball game. I did get the opportunity, uh, in fact, two times I've been to Wrigley and thrown out the first pitch before the ball game. That's as close as I ever came to being a Chicago Cub, but that was close enough. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you recall what radio station you would be picking up? A, a clear channel radio station coming in in Georgia. If it was the um, World Series, um, I don't some, Somebody I don't know, will know. No, I, I, actually, I had not moved to Georgia at that time. I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, and oh. we were still living there. And uh, the, the games were on, I'm sure, the. NBC Network or CBS yes, or ABC. Yes. I don't remember which one. Probably right. NBC. That was the big station in Columbia. And uh, and so I was able to hear it that way on a local station. That is a great memory. <laughs> uh, the blatant plug light has, has just gone on. So we're going to ask you for a blatant plug about, uh, along with your new album, there is a Country Music Hall of Fame exhibit all about uh, some of the things that you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, they opened this exhibit back in um, December of 2021, and it was supposed to close in March of 2023, but uh, they've had an awful lot of success with it. They broke their all-time attendance record last year at the Hall of Fame. I don't know if any of that had to do with my exhibit or not, (laughs) but they've extended the exhibit now until the 25th of September of this year. So if anybody listening is going to be in Nashville, I hope you'll go by the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, The exhibit is called As Far As I Can See. Uh, Bill Anderson, or Whispering Bill Anderson. By the way, you guys haven't called me Whispering Bill all night. A lot of people don't know who I am unless you put the whispering (laughs) on the front of my name. (laughs) And and you said the the exhibit is called As Far As I Can See, and I'm holding in my hand the CD, As Far As I Can See, the best of Bill Anderson. It's a wonderful, career-spanning CD with not only the cut that we played with you and Dolly, but also an early early cut it's all the same to you and it, it that, that was a demo cut that you and dolly did uh, a few years ago right bill dolly had just moved to nashville i had never met her never really heard of her and i was doing a demo session and needed a girl singer and my uh, producer of the demo session said i know this girl from east tennessee named dolly parton mm-hmm. and she can do a great job and uh, goodness knows she did more than just a great job this demo was cut way back in the early 60s and it was lost for a long time and somebody got to digging around somewhere in the archives and found it and they 
put it in uh, this album, in this collection, along with the new one. So you get Bill and Dolly from the early 60s and Bill and Dolly from 2023. That is amazing. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Whispering Bill Anderson. (laughs) And you know what? We'll find out how that all happened and uh, a lot more with our buddy Bill Anderson here on WGN. We're talking with country music legend Bill Anderson and no, that is not Bill Anderson from an alternate universe. (laughs) That was Dean Martin one of the many people who have covered Bill Anderson's songs with uh, Bill Anderson's tip of the tip of my fingers. The list of people that have recorded songs that Bill Anderson wrote. Let me just rattle off a few: Ray Price, Porter Wagner, James Brown, Debbie Reynolds, Ivory Joe Hunter, Kitty Wells, Lawrence Welk, Dean Martin, Jerry Lee Lewis, Aretha Franklin. One of my favorites, Brad Paisley and Allison Krauss, Vince Gill, Kenny Chesney. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Bill, uh, tips you, my you big- got to work on getting some big names, Bill. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I've been uh, been very blessed and very fortunate to have those people. You know, anytime anybody records a song that that I have written, they're staking a part of their career on. Uh, on me and my career, sure. so there's a great responsibility. I, I I I get excited every time somebody cuts one of my songs, and then I think, oh boy, I sure hope it's a hit because I don't want them to get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you get notified if somebody is going to record it, or it, sometimes you just find out when you turn on the radio and there's one of your songs? Well, it happens both ways, Johnny. I, I had it uh, where I knew somebody was going to record something of mine, and I had plenty of time to get excited, and then I've had people say, hey, come here, let me play you something that just came in, and they'll play me a song that I had no idea anybody had recorded it. Do you recall the first time you heard yourself being played on the radio? Oh, I don't think anybody ever forgets that. (laughs) I sure do. I remember the first time I ever heard the song that I wrote played on the radio i thought i had died and gone to heaven because that's what i wanted more than anything in the world and uh, it's kind of spooky and i I tell you what else i remember uh, equally with the first time i heard myself played on the radio of course seeing your own song on a jukebox uh, that's Mm -hmm. exciting because somebody bought that record and put it onto that jukebox so any, anything like that. But I remember the first time in a recording studio when I heard my voice come back to me in stereo. Now, you've got to figure the early 60s when I made my, well, late 50s, actually, when I made my first record in Nashville. You know, this thing called stereo, where some of the sound came out of the left side and some of the sound came out of the right mm-hmm. side. Of the yeah. We'd never heard anything like that. And I was just totally blown away the first time I heard Bill Anderson whisper in stereo. (laughs) Bill, I I have to ask you something. I'm currently reading a book. It's a a biography about Anita Kerr. And I know that you worked with Anita Kerr. Uh, So two questions. Was that the Anita Kerr singers on still? And second part of the question, so much of her book talks about because of the number of recording sessions they were doing, how often they wound up doing, rather than having written out arrangements, they did head arrangements. They just spontaneously came up with something. So can you tell us, when you did that, was that a a written out arrangement, or was that a head arrangement, or what do you remember about that? 
Well, number one, I want to read Anita's book. I knew the book was out. She was a delightful lady and an incredible talent. The first time the Anita Kerr singers really, I mean, they had worked with me on a couple of records, but the first time they ever really got featured was the record just before Still, which you played a while ago. I did a kind of autobiographical recitation called Mama Sang a Song. And the Anita Kerr singers sang some of the old hymns that I was talking about in my narration. I would talk about my mother singing the old time uh, church songs, gospel songs. And if there was ever anybody who sounded like an angel straight out of heaven, it was Anita Kerr and those great singers. And they sang those beautiful songs. What a friend we have in Jesus, rock of ages, things like that on Mama Sang a Song. And then, of course, after that, of course I was going to use them on my next session, and the next session was when I recorded Still. And to answer your question, yes, these were head arrangements. I mean, there was no written arrangement of any kind. We worked with the greatest producer, I think, that this town of Nashville has ever known, in the great Owen Bradley. And Mm -hmm. Owen would come in and sit down at the piano, And he would just kind of point at Anita and say, okay, let's have some voices here. And Anita would make up these these incredible arrangements and sing these gorgeous parts that only she was capable of doing. It was a magic time in Nashville, and I'm so glad I got to be a part of it. Wow. Can we talk a little bit about your songwriting process? Because you said at the very uh, outset that City Lights you wrote as a teenager sitting on a the high atop a three-story building looking at the city lights <laughs> and you you've gone on to be such a prolific songwriter successful prolific songwriter do you say bill you got to sit down today and you've got to write x number of hours do you sit down at an instrument do you sit down at a typewriter or a computer what do you do for the writing process all of the above really because, um, it's hard to describe my process because there is no process, if that makes sense. I never, I, I, I do not have a routine. I do not have a way and say, okay, today I'm sitting down with a guitar. Today I'm sitting down with a typewriter. I'm sitting with a pencil and a piece of paper. Uh, I'm going to write at a table in a restaurant because I overheard a conversation. Somebody said something that I think would make a great line on the song. They happen always. I've written songs on the road. I've written while I was driving down that interstate highway or throughway. I've written them with the door closed in my own little bedroom with the shades pulled down because I thought you had to get good and sad and lonesome and miserable to write a country song. <laughs> I've written them with other people. I've written them by myself. Uh, I wrote a line in the song one time that says, uh, you don't understand the pattern of my life because my life has got no pattern. And that's really the way I feel about songs that I've written. There's no way to describe the process because there really is no process. Wow. Are, are you frequently singing lines into your phone and and just uh, mailing them to yourself so you won't forget an idea? <laughs> Absolutely. I've done that with the uh, cassette recorders. Nowadays, of course, you can do it with your phone, these kinds of things. I used to carry a little handheld recorders around with me because when that idea strikes or that that rhythm feel or that uh, chord structure or that particular line you want to remember, you better put it down somehow, some way, as soon as you can, because 
even though you say, oh, I'll remember that in the morning. No, you won't. You better put it down when you can and, uh, and have it somewhere that you can go back to it. Okay, here's one of the dumbest questions you're going to hear. What's the longest you ever worked on a song? And the reason I'm asking is because there's a song that I have been working on. I'm not exaggerating. I got the first two verses roughly back in 19, uh, I think it was roughly 1978. I still haven't (laughs) finished that song. (laughs) I've heard of procrastination, but that... (laughs) No, Bill, he works on it. I, I work on it, but I just, the first, <laughs> two, it's like it. the first two verses were like, yeah, that's right. That's how it should be. And I haven't been able to come up with any <laughs> verses that I like as well as those first two. Well, that'll happen. It has happened to me. You asked me how long the longest was it ever took me to write a song. I spent three years writing a song that you would think was probably written in about three minutes because uh, it's such a stupid song and it's <laughs> but the problem i had with it was the verses were were kind of uh flighty and funny and i had trouble matching uh the verses and the course i mean i should have said the chorus is kind of flighty and funny and i could not find a way to write the verses the song you've probably never heard although it was a hit record for a friend of mine and a fellow grand Ole opry star named roy drusky back in the 60s oh sure there's a song called peel me a manor toss me oh, a peanut yes. and i'm gonna come swinging from a coconut tree peel me a manor toss me a peanut because you sure made a monkey out of me <laughs> I carried that around for three years before I figured out anything oh to go gosh. with it. Well, speaking of monkeys, I, I know, have to I tell know where you you're go. that my daddy, rest his soul, played your CD with his all-time favorite Bill Anderson song, which he would aggravate me with because he was not a very good singer, but he would sing loudly to, Not My Job to Tote Your Monkey. He loved that song. <laughs> Absolutely true story, Bill. And I would That's walk in. Funny. I would walk into his apartment, Bill, and he would he would turn it up because he'd know. I go, Daddy, Daddy, okay, I know you love that song. And then he would start wailing. And I'd go, Oh, please, Daddy, don't sing. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, that was a saying, an expression that I heard an old guy, we call him a shade tree mechanic down here in Tennessee. Oh, boy, they could fix any car or truck that ever broke down. And you'd walk in and say good morning to him. He'd say, how you doing? You'd say, oh, it's going to be a rough day. And he'd look at you and say, well, it ain't my job to tote your monkey. And one day (laughs) I'd be saying, that's a pretty good idea for a song. So a friend of mine and I got together just, had fun writing it, and then I thought, heck, we've written it, might as well record it. Oh, my gosh. Gave my, I, I will never, ever hear that line without thinking of my dad, because it gave him so much joy. So thank you for that. We're going to take a... Never, thank you for sharing that with me. I didn't know anybody had oh. ever heard that song. Oh, golly. It was anybody's favorite. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and come back with Bill Anderson here on WGN. That's such a treat to be able to Bill, play that. Bill, you got to release that as a single. <laughs> we're, we're talking with whispering <laughs> Bill Anderson. No shame, do you? <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that's a hit record, Bill. I love that song. <sighs> <laughs> Thank you. Maybe that's uh, maybe that 
should be the next one. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, it literally brings a tear to my eyes, but it's a happy tear. So, uh, I, before we before we let you get out of here, we've had a couple of people ask questions. We're broadcasting from Panama City, Florida, and not too far down the road, there's a restaurant called Po Folks. Now, your band is Po Folks. You had a hit record, Po Folks. Want to know if you had anything to do with the restaurant? Well, I certainly did. At one time, I was the national spokesman for the Poe Folks restaurant chain. Mm -hmm. There were about 200 restaurants by that name, uh, stretching all the way from eastern Pennsylvania to southern California. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Poe Folks almost made Poe Folks out of me before it was over. (laughs) But uh, there are still uh, a few, and they're right down there in your area around Panama City. I think about a dozen of them, maybe in South Alabama and in the Panhandle of Florida. And Mm -hmm. I happen to know that the food's still awful good and uh, love to have folks go there whenever they can. Well said, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) And we cannot let you get out of here without asking the obvious where did the whispering come from? Did you name yourself, or did someone else name you whispering, and it stuck? Oh, no. There's no way I would have named myself that. In the beginning, I, 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 I kind of took offense at it. I thought, well, people are making fun of me. They're oh. teasing me. Uh, I mean, I knew I wasn't blessed with the greatest singing voice in the world, but I knew that I had a little something different in my voice. And when they started calling me Whispering Bill, I, it, it, it hurt my feelings. And then I realized a little later on, that's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, because, uh, number one, there's eight million Bill Andersons in the world uh, in the phone book. You can pick up the phone book in Panama City or Chicago or Skokie, Illinois, or anywhere else, and you'll find a Bill Anderson or a William Anderson. But I'm the only one they call Whispering Bill. And so it enabled me to get kind of a little handle, a little... A, a little nickname. I didn't have to change my name to Conway Twitty to have something different. <laughs> Touche. The guy that named me that was a little comedian on a television show I did back in the late 60s uh, named Don Bowman. Don, uh, Don hung that name on me and it stuck. Oh. Uh, while it offended me and bothered me and hurt my feelings at first, it's one of the greatest things that ever happened and I'll always be grateful to Don Bowman for that. Well, speaking of TV, we, we need to touch for a second, for people who don't remember, you hosted game shows, you were on a soap opera. Did, is, is there anything you haven't done that you want to do? <laughs> Very few things. Uh, I don't have a, a, a big bucket list. I've been so fortunate to have so many of my dreams and things that I didn't even dare to dream come true. This whole thing has just uh, has been uh, an, an amazing whatever you call it, a happenstance or what. Like I say, I, I was going to be the greatest pitcher the Chicago Cubs ever had, and a funny thing happened on my way to Wrigley Field. I ended up at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. And, uh, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't trade places with anybody. I've, I've just been so blessed, and, uh, and part of my blessing, and I don't want this to sound corny or anything, but you guys have been very special. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the years, and, and these late-night conversations on Saturday night I appreciate the chance that uh, we still get to do them. So thank you for still including me in your uh, in your repertoire here. Well, thank you for thank still you. taking our calls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I want to say that you have such a great relationship with your fans, and thanks to the Internet, you can stay in contact with them. I love your newsletter, 
And anyone that's listening that doesn't know, they can sign up to, uh, free of charge to be uh, uh, following you in your fan club. Right, Bill? Absolutely. Just go to BillAnderson.com and click on fans. You'll see that at the top of the page, and it'll tell you how to join up. And uh, we will irritate you every month. (laughs) (laughs) Bill Anderson newsletter. I I have a little column called Ask Bill where I try to answer questions from people and uh, print some uh, photos that aren't seen in many other places. And also, anybody that's listening doesn't cost a thing. We'd love to have you. You just have to realize that once you join, you can never unjoin. <laughs> oh, that's well, wonderful. I, I know you said that you're primarily doing appearances now uh, on the Grand Ole Opry stage, but we've had listeners from all over the country that want to know, are you going to be doing any touring in the future? A lot of our Chicago listeners want to know, are you going to be in the Chicago area? So anything other than the Grand Ole Opry that is on the horizon so far as you know? Well, yeah, that's the key as far as I know. Right now, I'm not planning on anything like that, but I never say never. I'm still recording. I have some songs coming out that I have selfishly, I guess, maybe foolishly think are some of the best things I've ever done. You know, if I were to come up with a hit record or a hit song, somebody wanting me to come to Chicago or Panama City or somewhere and play it and perform it, uh, don't twist my arm too much because I'll <laughs> probably be there without you having to do that. So I'm not shutting the door on performing again. Uh, I will never use the word retire in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Good. There's no can retire. I cannot retire from writing songs because I can't quit. As long as I breathe, I'm going to I'm going to be trying to write songs, and okay. hopefully I'll be making records. And uh, if touring is in the future, then that's what the good Lord wants me to do. Then that's what I'll do. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to do a little negotiation right here on the radio. You say you have some some other songs. I assume that means you've got a new album that will probably happen at some point. And if that is the if that is the case, can we do an album release party with you on WGN? Oh my goodness gracious! I would love to. I thought you were going to ask me if I would record that song you wrote in 1978. <laughs> 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 oh, I would love to do an album release party with Let's you. Let's do it. Okay. Yes. W- w- when when the album is done, you let us know, and we'll lock it in, and we'll play songs from the album, and let you talk about the writing process and everything, and yeah. uh, just uh, that would be a fun thing, Bill. Well, so. it would be fun for me, too, Steve. Thank you all. I appreciate you very, very much. And, uh, again, thanks for having, with you, having me with you tonight. And I'm so glad you're back on the radio where everybody can listen to you again. Thank you, Bill. Thank we'll you, Bill. be in touch for sure. It's take, been fun, buddy. Take, take care. care. Thanks, y'all, too. Good night. we got a lot more coming up. Stay with us. News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Talking about laughing tonight. We have with us in studio here... Jason Hedden, who doesn't even know where we're going to start our discussion tonight. (laughs) And for those of you who are saying, Jason Hedden, okay, for for our Chicago listeners, one of the things we're going to do tonight is introduce you to some extraordinary local talent. Mm -hmm. Feel no pressure, Jaden. And... You actually have heard Jason on the show with us before, but you didn't know that you were listening to Jason. Sign in, if you will, please, Mr. Easter Bunny. Yes, 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 yes. I made my debut as the Easter Bunny. You 
you what, did. Just, just a few weeks ago, it a seems. A few weeks yes. ago, yes. Jason is a, a, a teacher, and he is an actor. He's involved in theater. He just walked in and told us that he may be a recording artist before we know it. <laughs> uh, he's an author, a poet, and a comedian. And he's the co-founder and producer of Panama City Comedy. And he's uh, nice enough to uh, hang out with us for a while. And what's your, your title here at the college? I am the Executive Director of Recruitment and Community Relations at Gulf Coast State College. Okay, let's start at the very beginning because we are sitting in the studio because he recruited us. Yeah. You did that before you were the Executive did, Director. Did I, did I, yes. Is it my fault? It yeah. is. <laughs> and I don't know how many years this goes back to, but and I'm trying to recall well, the the exact uh, sequence of events. We just wrote our Les Paul book. Yes, I know. Yeah, all I know is that my wife took an encore class with Tony Simmons, mm-hmm. and he was doing a book giveaway as part of that class, and she won your book. In that, in that class, mm-hmm. and I read it on an airplane mm-hmm. um, flying to Nashville. And then you got in touch with, with me uh, on Facebook, I believe? Maybe. That yeah. part I don't remember. Yeah. And we said, this is weird. We're here. And you said, you're kidding. You have to come over to the college. Yeah, and we okay. did. And you introduced us to Scott Kirkman, who at that time was doing the mix. Yes, 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 yes. And then the rest is history. Okay. Here we sit in the studio. There's no more Scott here. So you're to blame for all of this. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. No, thank sometimes you. I, sometimes I, sometimes I, yeah, so look, happy you, accident. You get it right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Golly. And then we were fortunate uh, to have you as a contact after Hurricane Michael. Right. Because we in Chicago wanted to know what was going on back here, and you were a great uh, source. And you were a great source of comfort because you're an amazing writer and you wrote beautiful poetry. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the the storm was really a catalyst for a lot of folks uh, mm-hmm. locally in terms of the arts community and and uh, for myself in particular. I never really considered myself a writer, but mm-hmm. but but after the storm, um, couldn't really communicate uh, verbally, and I was mm-hmm. sort of refusing to to. Uh, use those sort of verbal cliches that we sometimes revert mm-hmm. to in moments of, of, of tragedy. And so this was sort of my way of processing what was going on, you know. And so I'd wake up at 4 a.m. and just sort of spill my guts into the yeah. notepad app on my phone and uh, started sharing some of them on, on social media. And uh, they seemed and to resonate with some folks. Absolutely. Brought great comfort. I know... It was something that I look forward to reading to see where your head was at on a given day. Uh, I can recall, I don't remember the exact title of it, but it was about your stuff. You know, just it's yeah, stuff. Sure. And you're and talking well, about we losing should, it. We should back up a little bit and say, uh, for people that don't know, when Hurricane Michael hit, Johnny and I were still up in Chicago. Johnny's dad was down here in panama city beach we yes. tried like crazy to get him mm. out before the hurricane happened we couldn't when w- the hurricane hit we were watching on tv and scared to death and communications went down as a matter of fact this radio station was one of the only broadcast facilities that stayed on the air during hurricane michael right. so we kept following through whatever means we could and social media was one of the means that we could follow some of the people we knew down here to see what was going on. 
Now, even newscasts had taken to the streets through social media because everything had just been wrecked. Well, the the two main TV stations, WMBB yeah, and uh, JSG, yeah. they were knocked off the air. They were just broadcasting right. through through Facebook. Yeah. And I think that must have been the turning point for the community because it seems like, like you said, that the arts community is just like, just grown up and it seems so strong. The downtown area is just, the, the changes are amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it really sort of focused some efforts. I mean, the irony is that it's so strong right now despite a lack of venues mm-hmm. um, because we're still without our major venues we had pre-storm right. the, the the marina civic center is offline uh the uh, martin theater the historic downtown theater is out of line is offline uh, kaleidoscope theater in Lynnhaven, the 50 right. year old community theater mm-hmm. still offline but they're very close to reopening i think they're actually i heard the other day that they're doing their uh, annual summer camp actually going to be able to host it in their own facility for the first time in four or five years so Mm -hmm. that's that's great we're talking with jason hedden uh we've got uh, so much to cover uh so please stay with us for wgn we're broadcasting live from uh, panama city in florida and we're talking with the the, the extraordinarily talented Jason Hedden, who wears many hats, he, yes. among them he is the co-founder and producer of uh, Panama City Comedy. But I want to take you in in a little different direction for a second. Candidly, we, Johnny and I, and we learned this after we were married. We didn't realize it before we got married. We have never had a wonderful relationship or a wonderful time interviewing comedians because one of two things one either they're going to walk in the studio and every line they're going to go for a punchline so you can't really have a conversation the other thing is i understand a well-placed f-bomb one of my favorite movies is slapshot sure because the f-bombs and everything else worked Sadly, today's comedy scene, to my way of viewing it, is populated with too many people who are substituting F-bombs or other obscenities for humor. I love the fact that you're not doing that, that you're going out of your way to A, be really funny, B, do that in a way that any member of your family can appreciate. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, and part of it's a, a practical consideration. You know, I, I've, I've only been doing this about five years, and I want my boss to be able to come to my show, or my mom mm-hmm. to come to mm-hmm. see my show, or or even my son if the venue is is appropriate, and and occasionally it is. Um, but I think it came. Part of it's just also that it's on brand for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can I can write. We had a roast recently, and. Uh, and so there was some more blue humor uh, as associated with that, but but some of the material just isn't is believable coming mm-hmm. from me. So they say write what you know. Well, I I, I, I live a pretty f bomb free life, and so <laughs> yes. I know, you know I, it may not even be that believable. But but I think the real thing that really inspired me was, you know, someone said, um, you know, Henry chose my comedy mentor, and he's mm-hmm. made a choice to to be clean and and uh 
just inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. Opry. Yeah. First, first comedian in 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, well deserved. Oh, my goodness. What a huge honor. And, and I'm such a newbie to comedy, really, that I didn't even realize till very recently what a big deal it is that I've been working with him for the last two mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was sitting in a, in a comedy club in Chattanooga. And that 20-year comedy veteran sitting across the stage, he was the headliner. I was just hosting. And uh, he said, you know, I always wanted to work with he's like, Henry Cho. And I was able to say, yeah, he's great, you know. And so um, really grateful because Henry has been sort of one of the true uh, old-school mentors mm-hmm. that you're not seeing as much now. He said, you know, we used to do Wednesday through Sunday. They put all the comedians up in a condo, mm-hmm. and it was all about the hang. You know, you hung out together all day together. And then after the show, you would go out and, you know, go to the Waffle House or, mm-hmm. or wherever. And that's it's not set up that way anymore. Mm-hmm. But his guys, he, he does that. So he'll take us out to eat afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he does that mentoring that he received mm-hmm. when he was coming up. And that has been invaluable, uh, even more than the stage time. Is the, those lessons that are happening in the in the booth at mm-hmm. at twelve a.m. Yeah. You know, and and uh, he'll he'll just he'll just sort of mentor us, and and he's made a choice to work clean. If you work clean, um, you can work anywhere. And I think initially yeah. the thought was, why would you want to work so hard on a joke that you can't tell on television? Yeah. Yep. Now now it's a little different, obviously, with streaming services and things like that. But the people that I look up to the most, uh, you know, the 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 Dusty Slays, the Nate Bargetzies, the the Aaron Webers, the Henry Chos, uh, of course, they all um, they're all working clean. And so I'm like. Good enough for Henry You're Cho, good <laughs> enough yeah. for me. You know? You're in good company. Yeah. Yes. All right, you have to take us, though, back to, you said it's just been five years. Yeah. Uh, at what point did you say, hmm, I'm very busy with the college life. I'm right. very busy with theater. I'm very busy as a dad and a husband, but I'm going to be a comedian. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, a former student, actually, a Justin Butler. A uh, former theater student of mine started an open mic at Mosey's downtown, and this is 2014. And he invited me, and I brought my brother-in-law, and Justin was there. And I assumed it would be a bunch of locals, but no, it was the three of us. And then these guys drove over from Tallahassee to do an open mic, and I thought these guys are crazy. What, the, you know? <laughs> what are they going to get paid? Nothing, Gas money? Nothing. Not nothing. even that. Wow. But stage time was everything. And then I was like, oh. oh, I get it. These guys. So it became addicting. I came into it a little arrogant, honestly. I, I thought it would be easier than it is. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know, my my um, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm an actor. My students think I'm funny. My wife used to think I was funny. <laughs> you know, it's really her fault. She stopped laughing at me. <laughs> Um, you have to leave home. home. Yes, I have to seek laughs outside the marriage, and so, <laughs> so it's it's her fault, really. Um, in fact, most of my most of my stuff is directly quoting my wife or son. I'm the third funniest person in my family, and there's only three of us. Oh my! Gosh. And I'm okay with it. But uh, yeah, it was a former student that 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 got me into it, and it's uh, it's just oddly addicting. How long did it take you? to develop a solid 20, 30-minute set? Five years. I'm five years in in June, and I just now am starting to feature, which requires a 20 to 30-minute set professionally. 
Um, and yeah, and that's doing it every week. Now a lot of people progress faster than that, or you know, or slower. But uh, yeah, it's taken me it's taken me five years. Now I have more material than that, but that's the material mm-hmm. that that works consistently, tried mm-hmm. and true. You know, when I I'll, I'll go work with Henry Cho in in um, in Birmingham in June. I will never do a joke on a Henry Cho show that I've not done dozens and dozens really? and dozens of times. Yeah, um, just because I am trying to keep that that standard. Now at an open mic at a at another show, I'll try things. Now an improvisational moment, sure. But um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm making sure it's it's tried and true material. How does reading an audience as a comedian differ from reading an audience? As a musician, Les Paul used to tell us mm. that he would just watch people's faces, and he could tell if he didn't have them, he'd go for a couple of different songs. But as a comedian, and particularly you're yeah. doing different rooms, yeah, how, how I, do you I, do I can't. That? I, I'll, I'll compare comedy to theater, theater. Uh, since okay. I, I don't have the the the, the musical comparison. Uh, I, I tell people that my theater background has been my biggest strength and my biggest weakness when it comes to stand-up comedy. Because in the theater, we tend to put up in most shows, you know, that imaginary fourth wall where we're ignoring the audience. Right. So early on, if something wasn't going well, I would revert to my theater training and basically do a little monologue up there, do a little play and ignore the audience, which is obviously the worst possible mm-hmm. thing you can do. And to say it, it sounds ridiculous. So it would Jason, actually that get, sounds ridiculous. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know it would, but it, when it would obviously get worse. So it's taken me a lot of time to, to, sometimes before I go on stage, I literally say, make sure you see their faces. Look them in the eye. You know, I mean, I even train actors, you know, when you're auditioning to not look the directors in the face pick an imaginary spot between them so you're not forcing them to be Mm -hmm. engaged in the other side of your Mm -hmm. love scene for example because they need to be reading your resume and being oh this is that so um you know i knew how to use my voice and my body but that was a a weird thing and i've had to learn how to uh, work between the planned material so i worked from a memorized set list like a one-word prompt I don't script my jokes out in a traditional sense, um, but uh, yeah. So theater's been my my biggest uh, uh, stumbling block when it comes to comedy, hmm. but also my biggest asset at the same time. We could never do comedy because we're so unaccustomed to having feedback from an audience. Yeah. I, People have asked us many times, and we've done it, especially if it's for a good cause that we mm-hmm. support, to come out and MC something. But I'm so unaccustomed to looking at people in the face. It's like getting in front of a couple hundred people is terrifying. And, and I have a little different perspective on live performance because I'm used to performing before a live audience with a guitar. Yeah. yeah. But when it's just the two of us, and here we are, and there's uh, 5,000 people, and... I remember one time I said to you, could we ask them to turn the lights down so I don't have to see their faces? <laughs> Literally, I was yeah. that. I thought, I'm going to freeze up here on stage. And it's really funny what you take, you know, the baggage you take with you. <laughs> or it helps you. For sure. But... The other thing is, on stage, you can't break for a newscast like we're going to do right now. <laughs> That's right, so we are. So stay with us. I wonder how many people listening 
I mean, we're really doing a circuitous route to get to the the tie-in between this song and what we're doing right now. We're talking with comedian Jason Hedden, and that was Bob Dylan. It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. <laughs> Which he never says in a chorus. Yeah. <laughs> Not once does he say that. But it takes a lot to laugh and a train to cry. Yes. So don't uh, forget uh, that. A lot of my shows, it seems it takes the audience a lot to laugh. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh, Jason Hedden is, uh, as, along with being, as we said, an educator, uh, theater guy. Were you a theater kid? Uh, middle school. Middle school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got I got bit by the bug in in seventh grade. Had a teacher. Shout out to Sharon Bevan, and uh, she took all the wannabe class clowns and put them in a class called drama and. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't been the same since. It's wow. her fault. And we should mention for uh, a lot of our uh, Chicago listeners who are uh, texting us and asking, well, how can we uh, how can we find out about Jason? You go to his website, jasonhedden.com, J-A-S-O-N-H-E-D-D-E-N.com. He's also the co-founder and producer of Panama City Comedy, which is what? We are bringing, basically, uh, we're, we're one of the comedy producers in the panhandle of florida we produce six to eight shows a month a weekly open mic we basically bring uh regional and national touring stand-up comedians to your favorite local venues Mm -hmm. here in panama city in fact we we've had comedians come down from chicago so um if we've got our comedy friends up there listening now uh it's a good time to hit me up because i'm i'm booking i'm booking now for uh august september Slots. But flip side is Chicago is such a great comedy town. You've got to come to Chicago. Yes, yes. We told I'm, you you got a place to stay. I am so going to take. Come I'm going to gonna take you up on it. I've got some friends who've recently moved there and uh, would love, love to come perform. I've to, actually never. I haven't been to Chicago since I was probably ten. Um, it could be a rough crowd. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hear. But you're overdue. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if people want to get an idea of what you do, uh, YouTube or where would they see some of your stand-ups? Uh, yeah, the website. I show a clip there. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, it's funny because there's different schools of thought about how much you should put your material out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not to that level yet to worry about that. Um, for me, it's more just about making sure what's out there is of is of a, a good production value. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at a comedy festival in uh, West End Comedy Festival in Atlanta early February, and a local videographer just showed up and was was filming sets. I would have paid hundreds of dollars for this tape. He wouldn't take any money, just volunteering as part of the festival. And and I've got a great little demo clip now that I use as a you know as an audition tape mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh it's so funny because whenever you <laughs> whenever you film it's never a great set if you mm-hmm. ever forget to film or forget <laughs> yeah. to turn the over the, it's the best set every yep. time every time <laughs> so the fact that all these things came together and, and I've, I've got a nice clip on video uh f- f- feel good about that what what do you do when you think that something that is legitimately yours a joke a bit is legitimately yours and then you see another comedian you go hmm it, that sounds an awful lot like something i did last month it, it's funny you say that i and this is how i had this exact thing happen i have a bit that i've been doing for almost the whole five years i've been doing this about about um 
samples at at a at a you know Sam's Club or yeah, yeah and, and mm-hmm. a bit and and I I've been doing it forever. I'm watching a comedy special and I see a guy do a bit that is almost identical down to very small details, oh. and I have this weird you know moment where I'm like, wait, what is happening? And uh, you know, this is a much more experienced comedian, and I know that I didn't steal this material. I know I, there's mm-hmm. no way I've never heard this. This and wasn't I, a George Harrison, my sweet lord moment. No, no, no. <laughs> it was it was crazy, and I quickly looked, and it was a Netflix special from 2012. And I'm racking my brain, and I reach out to a friend of mine who I she's sort of my comedy, you know, writing partner. We bounce jokes off of each other and things. And I said, "Here's the situation," and she said, "I did some research. There's good news and bad news. Um, the good news is, no, you didn't steal this. The bad news is, there's a whole lot of people that have. It's just parallel thought, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you know." Now everyone's talking about it's whatever the you know it's the airplane the food trend. of the, yeah. the trend. Mm-hmm. So you know if I see another uh, a comedian who's doing something too similar, I'll switch it up and mm-hmm. take a different angle at it. But I think it's just the issue of parallel thought. There is lifting of material, but I think often what happens is I mean there's only, especially if you're doing observational stuff. <laughs> there's only mm-hmm. so much. It's only so much, <laughs> and we're gonna find a lot of the same things funny. Yeah. So it's it's funny you say that because there was there was this silly little moment where I'm watching a Netflix special like three years in and I'm like this guy stole my joke no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I thought oh no I stole his joke <laughs> neither were true so yeah it it happens well congratulations on what you're doing with the um, the the Panama City Comedy Group, the Thank whole you. concept of bringing comedy in. We're talking off the air because we follow you on Facebook. You have great turnout. People want to see good comedy. They're coming out on weeknights to see it. Yeah. You recently had a sold-out show on a Wednesday night. We sure did. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, no, thank you. You know, it's funny. We we don't have a comedy club in, in Panama mm-hmm. City. Um in fact, probably the closest is is Jacksonville. There aren't many in the mm-hmm. Panhandle, really. Oh, there's actually one over. Yeah, there's in, so much to laugh about. I know, <laughs> right? There's actually one over in, in Fort Walton. So what we've done, and all of our big venues are still out because of the hurricane. Right. So we've partnered with local businesses, similar to the way uh, what Crook Stewart has done with the music scene right. downtown. And um, we're bringing them business on slower nights, and it's grown now that we're selling out almost every show, regardless of venue. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't do it without our venue partners and our loyal audience members who keep showing up. And we're starting to attract bigger comedians. Uh, We're bringing Henry Cho back for the second time to the college. Um, He's doing a fundraiser for for visual and performing arts, and and Aaron Weber will be with him from the Nate Land podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very big deal for us. And uh, we had Rory Scovel here April 5th mm-hmm. and sold out a show on a Wednesday night. Now, you know, that was the, that was the, our biggest show, sort of, you know, a, a financial gamble for me as an ind- independent producer. But I said, if I can't sell 100 tickets to Rory Scovel, I shouldn't be producing comedy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, luckily we did. A, a lot of places, a lot of venues around the country were severely impacted by the pandemic. However, the pandemic for this area came on the heels of Hurricane Michael. So talk about a double whammy. And yet, from our sometimes 
distant viewpoint in Chicago, looking down here, it really seemed like it strengthened the creative community. That those two events, um, horrible as they were, they really strengthened the the creative community down here. And now you're starting to reap the the profits of all your hard work. I, I, yeah, I think maybe that's true. Part of me thinks maybe comedy's doing so well in Panama City because there's not much competition right now because <laughs> there's no big venues. Okay, <laughs> they got nothing else to do. I mean, that's the no. that's a pessimistic approach. Um, I I also th- it's funny too because most of our audiences are are venue loyal, so it's their favorite establishment anyway and then they come to our monthly show there we don't have as many people some are starting to bounce venue to venue Uh but they're going to their neighborhood venue Mm -hmm. and they look forward to that monthly show you know the arts community here was always um growing and and strong and starting to come together and uh i mean the hurricane was was uh definitely a factor that forced people to get more creative Mm -hmm. um, with some of the more traditional venues being unavailable. The good thing about comedy is we don't need much. We just need a space and a mic and, you know, an audience. So we can can perform just in the back of the room if we need to. And a trip to Waffle House would always be nice, right? Yeah. Um, We're going to take a quick break and come back. You were the commencement speaker. At yesterday's graduation here at Gulf Coast State College. I was. We're going to come back and have you talk about that, because that's a really big deal. Just when we think Jason's done everything, we find out. And you had two graduations to speak at. I I did. I did the same speech both times. But let me tell you, I don't know if you've looked at the feedback, but people were just over the moon. They were so impressed. Inspirational. Funny. Uplifting. Thoughtful. I mean, I was like, I want to see this speech. <laughs> Give us a little taste of it when we come back after this break on WGN. Andrew has great taste in music. He does. He really does. We're going to miss I him. I love that. Uh, with us in studio for a few more minutes is uh, Jason Hedden. He's co-founder and producer of Panama City Comedy. Check out his website, jasonhedden.com. Spell it J-A-S-O-N-H-E-D-D-E-N.com. Among all these hats that he wears that we've talked about, and soon he's going to lay some music on the world. But yesterday he spoke before... A whole bunch of people at two graduations here at Gulf Coast State College, and I said, and, and I hope somebody will post it because I'm I'm dying to to hear the speech because people were just over the moon over it. Give us a little taste of something that you you did in your speech yesterday. Sure, sure. This is an excerpt. Um, truth be told, I often feel like a kid in my dad's shoes and out of my league working with people that are smarter and wiser and more talented than I am. That's actually a good thing. You want to surround yourself with people that will raise the bar for you. This is my favorite analogy. If you're a runner and you want to get faster, you have to run with people that are faster than you. I'm fortunate to work with some very fast people here at the college. And if growth and improvement is your goal, it does you no good to be the best. If you find yourself in that situation in the future, it will be essential to seek out people that will challenge you and help you grow personally and professionally. Also, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't suffer in silence. You don't have to be good at everything. 
I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Mm. Now, what you just heard is, a, is just an excerpt of his commencement speech. This is the same guy. When you find him on Facebook, you will see him wearing a T-shirt that says... <laughs> I'm the ten at Walmart. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, no, 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 let's let's get it right. Let's quote it exactly right. Actually, exactly right. I said at Walmart, I'm a ten. Yes, which is a punchline of of one of my jokes. You know, I figured out with merch, you got to have like a yes a catchphrase line. So that's one of mine. And I ran into a guy at an open mic the other night. Another Jason Hedden, same spelling. I knew he was in town because I ran into his niece at a restaurant really? once. She ran my credit card, and she's like, that's my uncle's name. Oh, my god! I was like, really? Where does he live? She's like, he's in the back cooking. <laughs> so we ran See, into each other, so I had to give him a T-shirt. And you know? it's a great picture of the two of you with the T-shirts <laughs> on. So at Walmart, yeah. I'm a 10. That's right. That's so right. is that going to be the title of your first album? Um, sure, yeah. I yeah. love that. You, was that an offer to co-produce? <laughs> that, that works. Okay. Sure. I heard that. I heard that here. <laughs> but that's, that's a great little slice of life, because I think most of us have seen... Um, Sadly, the people of Walmart. <laughs> sure, sure. Yep. Well, you, well, you know what's good about that, too, though? It's five words. Yes. It's five words, and it communicates something comedically. Okay. So that's sort of what I'm learning is that, that this comedy oh. writing is about distillation. You know, it's how do you say it in the least amount of words? You know, I think that's what it's no coincidence. I think that the, that the poetry and the comedy writing sort of grew together because mm-hmm. they share a lot. In common, and and uh, and probably with with song lyrics too. I'm learning. Who makes you laugh? And I ask that question because, uh, like many things, comedy is subjective. Sure. Best example I can think of: Stephen Wright cracks me up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Johnny yeah. just doesn't get him. Right. Yeah. He can utter one sentence, right. and I'm on the floor. Yeah. I had a dog named Stay. I couldn't get him to go anywhere. <laughs> Here stay, here stay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's so good. Um, I, I'm I'm bad with favorites with anything and mm-hmm. favorite anything. But I will say, um, when um, Sebastian Maniscalco got on my radar, I was like, first of all, how is someone selling out Madison Square Garden? And I've never heard their name. But it's just the way when we were kids. We all knew all the comedians because there was only really one place for them to be. Now people can be uh, popular Mm -hmm. on a certain platform. But what blew me away about him is how physical he was on stage. So Mm -hmm. as a a physical actor, I sort of forgot that, oh, yeah, I have that in my in my quiver as well yeah. the ability to be he's almost doing pantomime up there. It's so physical. So so he's my current. Oh, we can do that. I had uh-huh. no idea. So, but but so many, too many, too many to name. But all right, I'm, we're going to wrap it up. Take your full circle. At the outset, you said you are not the funniest person in your house. No. And it's a household of three. Yes, you left the house to be funny because your wife stopped laughing at you. <laughs> Does she come to your shows? She's been uh, on stage. I say she's been to one show uh-huh. because that's funnier. <laughs> she's actually been to three. Um, and maybe four after this summer. <laughs> so, yeah. It's funnier. It, it is. One is funnier. And yeah. honest to goodness, the biggest laughs I get are directly quoting my wife and son uh-huh. on stage. My son is my head writer. He gets royalties. He, he expects <laughs> he expects to be tipped out at oh, the end of the great. night. It's hilarious. Oh, that's good. Hilarious. That's good. So, yes. Well, we... we uh, 
we can relate to that, right? Because we, among our family, we hear the don't don't say this on the radio. Oh, if you do, yeah. you're not coming to Thanksgiving dinner. Do, do you, you know? ever get yes. that from from your family? This is not going to become part of your act. Well, what's hard is when you're in the middle of something and someone said something, and I want to I want to get to my phone to make a note <laughs> before I forget. Yep. Yes. So you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm in my phone, you know, yeah, writing it down, things, changing yeah. names, right? Yes. Oh, golly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for making this happen, allowing us to be here at this radio station, broadcasting our show back to Chicago, because thanks to you reading our book and then reaching out to us, all of this uh, wonderful relationship with great people. We mentioned Scott Kirkman and uh, Tom Hoots uh, from Studio 812 and uh, Caleb Jordan and you. Well, uh, So thank you. Thank you. We're honored to have you here. What a gift to our students and our uh, faculty and staff and our whole community. We're honored you spent some time here with us. Well, we're going to come see you. Oh, we and, absolutely yes, are. Yes. And I'm coming to Chicago. Good. I'm sleeping on the couch. Okay. Well, you can have you can have a bed. All right. I'll take. <laughs> no it. wait. If you're funny. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, go to Jason's website. It's jasonheden.com. J a s o n h e d d e n dot com. Coming up, we're going to introduce you to a group that we have wanted to get on the show for a long, long time. What? Three weeks. <laughs> no longer than that, actually. Uh, and we'll explain all of that yes. and introduce you to Jack and Jin. But the uh, news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. I want to play the whole thing, but I if I do, we'll never have any time for any conversation. <laughs> uh, we've been introducing you to some of the talent down here on the Panhandle of Florida. We are uh, broadcasting from coming to you tonight from the studios of WKGC-FM, high atop the Charles Hilton Center for Advanced Technology and Hospitality Management at Gulf Coast State College in Panama City, Florida. And I'm going to try to do a hopefully not too long explanation of why we're all here tonight. Hurricane Michael. Mm -hmm. Johnny and I are back up in Chicago. Johnny's dad is down in Florida. We're worried about him. We're trying to find out what we can about him. And in the ensuing days, we started following a lot of the social media here in Florida. As I was going through a lot of the social media pages, I came across a post by Sandy Marlisa. And I was blown away by what she wrote, by the way she wrote it. I showed it to Johnny, mm -hmm. and I sent Sandy a friend request. Fortunately, she accepted it. At that time, I had no idea that Sandy, along with being a brilliant writer, was also a great singer, songwriter, and part of a terrific group that you just heard. The group is called Jack and Jen. And Jack and Jen are Eli Ingram and Sandy Marlisa. And they're, and they're in, the in the studio, studio with, with us. us. Hey, hey. <laughs> it's so good to be here again. Thank you. You've been in the studio before on WKGC. Uh, and that's how I... That's how we both met you as a duo <laughs> yes. when we played your song a couple of weeks ago, and we both went... And, and Sandy, is it true you were listening to the radio when we played the song? 
Oh, I absolutely was. Oh, that was real. Yeah. yeah. That is so amazing because you put a video up and you, and, and you, in your video, you showed your dash where you were listening to WKGC <laughs> and Death Roll was playing. Yes. And oh, your reaction was just, it was priceless. And, and we heard. From because we posted the podcast mm-hmm. on our Facebook page, and by the way, you should go to uh, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show and follow us there. But we heard from a lot of people from Chicago saying, "Wahoo, ha, yeah. wow, we want more of that." Absolutely. So we said, "Can we get them to stay up late on a Saturday night?" And you were nice enough to say yes. So Death Roll is is a, a new song for you too, right? Yes, ma'am, it is. It is a new song for you. Is it a new... Because we've, we've listened to other music. It seems like it's a new sound for you. It's a new... It's yeah. definitely a turning point. Um, yeah. We're working on uh, finishing up our album now. Um, together, it's our fifth album. Um, but Death Roll kind of hit this point where we were going from, like, summer feel-good beach songs, and then we just did Death Roll. And we were like, huh, okay, uh-huh. okay. And then we wrote three more like it <laughs> really oh no well, take us back to the beginning uh for for people listening to us in chicago how did you meet how did this all happen well um i got divorced a month before she did Mm-hmm. and we were both in the music scene anyway so um i had started playing around with an 80s synth pop band and i was playing all around the beach and in st andrews in downtown panama city and he came to one of my shows at a place called The Little Village mm-hmm. and saw me singing with uh, one of my duo partners. I was also in an acoustic duo. And uh, he just locked eyes with me across the room. And I was like, why does he keep staring at me? <laughs> and he came up very meaningfully and tipped me $5. And that was just the start of it all. Like, he just kept coming to my shows, and I liked having him around. So Did you know cool. he was a musician at that time? Yes, his dad made sure to tell me. <laughs> I mean, like, 100%. His dad was looking out for him. He's like, my, my son plays music. Oh, that's And um, I was like, oh, that's cool. And yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we just kept seeing each other around, and it just progressed very naturally. It was a, right. it was a wonderful love story. So, so, so when, did, along with the love story, when did you discover, you know, we work well together? I was really surprised, to be honest. He was very insistent to write songs with me, mm-hmm. and... I don't write with people. That's just not my thing. Um, even in high school when I was writing songs, I did not collaborate with people. I just, I never mel- meshed well with anyone. Mm-hmm. And so he convinced me to sit down, and I thought I was going to hate it. Like, I went in thinking I was going to hate it. And I actually really enjoyed it. He challenged me, and I felt like he was on my level. And I thought that we could actually create something together. And we've created some really wonderful uh, selections of songs, and we grow together very well. So um, I think it was just so natural. I think that's the best way life, meant to be. life goes, you yeah. know. So, yeah. Well, we're going to hear some of those songs Absolutely. in this hour tonight. Yeah. And we're going to hear a little bit more. Now you, I am so intrigued about new music that's in that same, what I call Southern Goth. Yes. yes or ma'am. Southern Gothic sound. Yes. Yeah. I, 
yeah, kind of like Southern Goth, though. It'll keep them wondering, right? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a mystery down here yes. in the Panhandle of Florida. What's we'll, happening? <laughs> we'll take a quick break and come back with Jack and Jen. We'll also find out about the name because they were actually Eli and Sandy, but they're Jack and Jen performing, as in Jack Daniels and Gin and Tonic. But more on that coming up here on WGN. Summertime again in the studio with us, Jack and Jen, actually Eli and Sandy. <laughs> and you should check them out at jackandjinmusic.com. That's J-A-C-K-A-N-D-G-I-N music.com. The Tourism Board should grab that summertime again. Because I, I, lyrically, I love it. I mean, it's it's a happy tune, but lyrically, it really it fits. And the, the sandy white beaches and, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, Jack and Jen. How did that come about? The name of your duo. <laughs> oh boy, we love answering this question. He likes Jack, and you like Jen. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it, it it actually kind of like our friends kind of came up with it. Because, really? So yeah. we would, you know, I'd go, I'd, I'd do my stuff, she'd do her stuff, and then if there was a night we started drinking a little bit, you know, they'd be like, "What are you drinking?" I'd be like, "You already know." And be like, "Oh God, we got Jack and Jen in the house over here." <gasps> oh. They'd call me Jen Sandy. <laughs> I said, Jen Sandy's here today. Really? And I was. It was post divorce, and I was. I was gigging like seven nights a week. It was a crazy, crazy time, and I was drinking way more than I should have. And I just had this whole other personality when I was drinking gin tonic, and that was it. And so they called me Jen Sandy, and he was Jack and Coke, and. <laughs> So when we were coming up with a name for a band, we were like, how about Jack and Jim? We almost went with something like Lavender. I was like going to do Lavender Soul. Totally totally <laughs> yeah, and it was like, That was no. literally a serious contender. No. No. And I'm so happy we did not actually, go for that. I remember how we actually officially came up with it. We were at um, North oh, Carolina yeah. at a place Asheville. called, it was in Asheville called, what was it? Jack of the Wood. Jack of the Wood. And I was trying to get a gig there. And they were like, well, what's your name? And I was like, we got to play here. We're Jack and Jen. And that was the first time I ever officially said it. And just I looked made at her, the choice right and she there. just busted out laughing, and I was like... It was supposed to be Lavender, Lavender Soul. Soul. <laughs> Lavender <laughs> Soul! I, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was like oh, in the running. I forgot about that, but yeah, yeah. That's so two years ago. And, and, and you know, we grew up in the 60s, and th- th- that would have worked then, but... <laughs> Yeah, it didn't and fit. It didn't can you fit. can you imagine a song like Death Roll coming from a band called <laughs> Lavender Soul? The complete like just juxtaposition of that would be that would be a great oxymoron. Though. Really, it'd, it'd keep people like oh, that's weird. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have a ton more questions, but I think we should hold them because we want to hear yes. Lavender Soul or Jack and Jen or <laughs> whichever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, give me a Jack and Jen on. <laughs> All right, good. cool. Well, we live on the Forgotten Coast here, guys, and so we wrote a song about the Forgotten Coast of Florida called Southern Lights, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah! Right. Yeah! Yes. Thank Ooh. you so much. Excuse me. Man, I, I put cool. my melodica away. That was awesome. <laughs> and you make a melodica sound really cool. Thank you. <laughs> and Coming this from a, a girl who played accordion, hey, that's a cool instrument. I love taking obscure things and making them rock and roll. <laughs> That's good. See, and I always said, if I knew that I could have done something cool like rock and roll with the accordion, I would have continued playing. Yes. But instead, I was a laughingstock of the neighborhood. Hey, it's kind of like Lizzo when she brings out the flute. Yes. That is a magical moment. It's my favorite moment. 
I love it. <laughs> Jack and Jim with us in studio. I love that song. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're getting a lot of texts, and uh, people want to know who, what, where. Again, it's Jack <laughs> and Jim. Go to J A C K A N D G I N Music dot com. Jack and Jim Music dot com. And for the Klugs in Chicago, hey. Sandy Marlisa. Klug. She is one. I am. Yeah. So, so I'm half Chicago in. How about it? Only been there twice though. So yeah. but my dad is as Chicago as they come. You guys Hi are, Dad. You guys would be so so popular in Chicago. We gotta get you there for we sure. We would love it. Absolutely. Yeah. We would love to do that. But you stay awfully busy around here and we're lucky that you, you do perform around here because we got to see you and selfishly everybody should have a radio show because we get to meet we got yeah. like these really great seats in the house, you know. <laughs> and you got a Taylor guitarist. He was kind of it's salivating a over that. Taylor guitar Thank with you. a gorgeous yeah. color wood. So, um, I used to manage the music shop here on the beach before really? the pandemic shut Wait, us down. Which one? Uh, Lights Music. Oh my gosh! Right on the beach, um, Pier Park. Area. Well, then we yes. must have, we must have run into each other. <laughs> Probably so. You bought because, a couple guitars there. Yeah, I, I bought Lucille. a Lucille. I got a great Epiphone Lucille hey, like guitar. BB. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, it could have been uh, this one. This guitar was one where like. I played it for like six months, you know. I'd already wrote a couple songs. I get attached to guitars, you know. It's like yeah. every guitar, yeah. every guitar has a song inside of it. Yes, <laughs> he said that. Yes, from day one. And this one was—it's uh, called Lawman and the Bounty. It's off my first album, and um, it just like spoke to me. And this guy started playing. He's like, "I think I'm gonna buy it." And I was like, "No, you don't want that thing, man." <laughs> And he was like, no, I think I am. And I was like, no, you don't want that. And he's like, why? And I was like, because it's, uh, it's already sold. <laughs> and uh, so I went home and I sold my couch. Uh, I got like 300 bucks and I put the down payment on it. And so oh. that's, that's how the start of how I got this guitar. <laughs> I love that. I sold my couch. And you told a guy who was, who was playing Lucille. He said, oh, I, I don't know. And then after the fact, you said, I feel yeah. guilty. I think I, I talked him out of it. I said, but you've got it. I think yeah. I would feel guilty if I were you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to take a break. But the tease before the break, after we come back after the news, you will unveil the name of your album. Ooh. Yes, we would love okay. to. All right. So uh, uh, stick around. Uh, that Jack and, and a whole lot more. Jack and Jen on WGN. Love that. As Jack and Jen, or as their friends call them, Eli and Sandy, <laughs> you can go to jackandjenmusic.com. And I have to ask you, Sandy, who were your musical influences? Because I, you know, I, on one hand, I, I, I hear a little bit of Janice, but it goes back farther than that. I hear a little more rootsy stuff in your voice. Uh, what were you listening to? Well, that's a question I often dread. I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of music growing up. I grew up in a very strict religious household, so I was allowed to listen to gospel music primarily, mm-hmm. and I also listened to a lot of classical music and traditional sorts of music and um, '90s country. I was allowed to listen to. Okay. <laughs> um, and that was that was honestly about it. All the things that I got that were modern were around the middle school lunchroom table or Mm. driving in the car Mm -hmm. with my friends. So when I aged and could do what I wanted, I just sort of kept that up. And I don't listen to much music at all. I just write. So it helps keep me from copying anyone. So I don't really know who my musical influences are. I do know um, Miss McGowan was my choir teacher in public high school and she's probably the biggest musical influence on my life yeah if you don't know 
really know who your musical influences were. What was the point in your musical development when you found you? Oh, that's a great question. I wrote my first song when the planes hit the towers when I was 10 years old, um, September 11th. I didn't understand the concept of war. I just remember my dad telling me what was going on. And the most natural thing for me to do was to write a song about it. And so I wrote a song about September 11th. And from there, I just kept writing. And you can find my album, Sandy Marlisa, The Haven Album. And you'll really see a lot of um, water elements. Um, a lot of my music sounds a lot like water. It moves a lot like water. And that's because I'm a native Floridian. So I find my inspiration from the nature around me and the the water that we have. I live in Bay County. I'm literally mm. surrounded by water. Yeah. Um, so I think in a sense, I was very lucky to grow up in such a strict home where I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of music because, you know, in today's TikTok generation, there's so much content out there mm. and you just consume, consume, consume yeah. all the time. And because of my upbringing, I have a lot of self-control when it comes to what I consume. And so in that way, I think it makes me sound unique. And so I guess, I don't know, I've always felt like me. And it just <laughs> it's all, all been a phase of me, you know, 10-year-old me to 14-year-old me to, you know, I'm now 32. So That's great. E- Eli, same question to you. What were your influences and when did you find you? Hmm. Well... I would say ACDC did it. Uh, Angus Young, my uncle, handed me Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Yeah. And I was into the 90s country thing, too. I'll admit it. (laughs) And uh, he handed me this ACDC record, and I told my brother, I said, take all my CDs. I don't want them anymore. I want that. And so um, my uncle also played guitar, and he handed me... Uh, Epiphone SG and showed me a couple like power chords and like uh, TNT, you know, and just got me started. And I was fascinated watching Angus Young do his guitar solos and just shake his head and hop all over the stage and get down on the ground going circles. And I was like, he's a showman at its finest. I mean, I'm just blown away by this guy. And I've never seen ACDC. I really, really want to. For you know, <laughs> on your bucket list. Well, I still can. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then I got to see the Rolling Stones, and that was the other one. So oh. between the Stones yeah. and ACDC, that's where I kind of, uh, you know, kind of just learned mm-hmm. and just admired and just every day trying to play those riffs, trying to get them. And then I started writing them, and I was like, oh, okay, now this is this is really fun. <laughs> you, you talk about the Stones. I'm going to very quickly yes, share let's with do it. you always. My my best rock and roll weekend ever. Braggart. <laughs> this was back in the early 70s, 1972. On a Sunday night, saw Elvis. This was back when he was still looking good and sounding good wow. and cared about the music. Mm-hmm. The following night, the Rolling Stones with Stevie Wonder as their opening act. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can die happy. <laughs> you have lived, my I'm, sir. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> That's wow. great. I tell, I, every time I, I said, you're just a bragging. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yes. he still has the ticket stubs to prove it. You yeah, know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's something to brag about. Yeah. My brother got married uh, last November, and I spent all my money to buy tickets to take him and my other brother for a bachelor party to see the Rolling Stones. Oh, what so a great idea. That was the first time I ever saw him, and I was like... Yeah. Hope you know I love you, man. <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow 20 bucks? <laughs> yeah. And you know that couch that I'm missing? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, when did you write your first song? Oh, um, 
I've been writing probably since the first time I went to Colorado skiing as a kid. I don't know why that was the moment, really? but I was skiing and falling a lot. And I remember just like singing. I just started singing in my head, making up stuff. To survive. To like, you know, like confidence, <laughs> just to like kind of yeah. like not be like, oh, I'm going to fall. This is going to hurt. I just start singing something. I think it was called Mr. Plow or something. It's really like, <laughs> it was really dumb. I don't know. And then I went back. I grew up in Georgia and there was a talent show and I was going to play the song Creep by Radiohead. Yeah, and um, we had like a band set up, and I was like, "Hey guys, kind of funny, but me and the drummer wrote a song, so <gasps> we're just gonna do this one instead." And we won, and it was um, it was a song about moving to the beach and mm-hmm. like sand between my toes and like this whole like basically what, how my life turned out. Wow, <laughs> it was like a, a precursor, yeah. And existence. then so yeah, I just kept following that path, and that took me here. That is so cool. Now you guys have your fifth. CD coming out this summer. Right. Yes. Well, it, there's two Jack and Jen, and then I have two Eli J. Ingram, and we did Sandy Marlisa's Haven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sandy, you were teasing on Facebook that we would find out the title of that CD. Yes. We are very excited to announce that the title of our upcoming album will be named The Salty South. Ooh. I like that. The salty oh, South. Oh, that's perfect. I like yes, that. Yes, we're very pleased. And Death Roll will be on that. <laughs> yes, it Death Roll It is definitely will. a Salty South song. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of brings everything together to where it makes a full circle. So some things feel a little like a little bluesy or a little Southern goth or a little rock. And the, I think S- Salty South just ties it all together. Well, Death Roll, really, honestly, when we wrote that, it was like, whoa. All right, now it's all starting to make sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. So when you hear the album, you're going to hear the panhandle of Florida. I'm very confident in that assertion. I'm really tired of listening to other people write about the Gulf Coast that <laughs> don't actually live here. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to write about my town because here's how it actually yeah. <laughs> is, you know. So, um, oh, some wait, of- wait. Death Roll was not inspired by this, was it? Oh. By Panama City? <laughs> oh, yes. A hundred percent. Yes. I'm, so, yes, there's alligators here. Um, yep. And they take you down in a death roll. And yep. as a Floridian, you go to Floridian Survival Training School from the womb. <laughs> you learn how to outrun alligators, <laughs> swim safely with alligators and sharks. Like, this is real. Like, you really do learn this in public school. Yeah. Um, survive a riptide, you know, all these things. And so, like, the song... Mama said, don't go to the water at night. Literally, don't go to the water at night. Don't walk your pets near the edge of the water, okay? Like, some of the, if you listen to the album, I think a lot of people that love Florida and come to Florida, I think they'll actually get some pro tips (laughs) of how to survive when you're down here. Please don't walk your small pets next to any body of water at night, okay? Well, the, the first time we heard anything like that was when we went to Boondocks. Oh, yes. And Hillary, the owner of Boondocks, and for those of you in Chicago, Boondocks is a wonderful restaurant. Yes. It's in the West Bay in the Panama City Beach, or just outside of Panama City Beach. And it's a gorgeous location. On the bay. On the bay. And Hillary said, yeah, you, you know, you can go out and walk around, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you might want to be careful. There are some alligators out it's there. Like a ten-foot distance. Yeah. Maybe even, like, a little further. Yeah. You know? But don't you remember we... And don't run. No, right. we because were, they will outrun you. Will. We were on our honeymoon in the island of Kiowa. Oh, that was and another And there were one. signs. Yes. It's the first time. No one told mm-hmm. us when we we got there yeah. that these signs were not a joke. It said, if you see a gator, do not run. Yeah. And I'm like, right. well, yeah. what? 
Yeah. My natural instinct what other reactions is to run. Should you have? Well, I think a lot of people have that attitude when they yeah. come to Florida. It's just it's and I don't blame anyone. Like I'm not angry. I just am concerned with the <laughs> amount of uh, problem problems that tourists have when they come down here and they think Florida is not going to be Florida and it is a swamp guys first and foremost a swamp okay With an incredible ecosystem yes a beautiful your mind. a wonderful ecosystem yeah. and we have one of the most diverse ecosystems in the entire world but that means we have dinosaurs okay <laughs> just be safe is all I'm asking and, and always remember the words of Tony Joe White Gator got your granny. Chomp, (laughs) chomp, chomp. Chomp, chomp, chomp. We've got to take a break. And when we come back, um, I'm doing an audible. Andrew, when we come back, we're not doing a bump because we're going to come back and let uh, Jack and Jen do some Jack and Jen. Okay. (laughs) Right here on WGN. Yeah. All right. Nice. That's good stuff. Thank you. I don't think I want to know what the inspiration for that was. <laughs> well, like I said at the beginning, I had just gotten divorced one month before she did, and we kind of met each other that time, and yeah. we started writing songs, and we came at each other with a bunch of angry divorce songs, if you could imagine that. And so it took us a little while to kind of write some feel-good stuff, you know, but this one and a few more off the first record, the first three songs were just, here's yeah. what it's like when two yeah. people meet that just got divorced and I had- start writing. Um, written this as like a duet the lyrics to it and I wanted to have a partner to sing it with and it was the first duet I had ever written and I was very you know I'm still very prevalent in the music scene and so I was looking for somebody to do a duet with me and I singled out this one dude that I thought like had just like this great voice and I was like I'm gonna ask him to do the duet and then I drank gin and me and Eli were together talking, and I was like, I want you to do this duet with me. And I was like, no, that's not that's not the plan. And it that just, was your, your inside voice. It was my inside voice coming out of me. And um, it just, that was like actually the first duet sort of situation that we did. So, oh, God. Yeah, really cool. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm also fascinated by the fact that. Oh, you hit those huge long notes and you're sitting down i don't uh, know how you're doing that lots of laziness um <laughs> oh, no. we've never um, sat down at a gig so this is to me this is first really? thing i was like we're sitting down this is no it's, it's really just you know it's about your diaphragm so just pull your shoulders back and you could still breathe and do yeah. those sorts of notes but well you know what Stay sitting, because if you stood up, you might melt the microphone. I know. I just blow this whole popsicle really, thing. Right? Like, no, I get told I'm like super loud all the time. So, but it's it's nice when I have. But they know your name. Here. They know your but name. But they know my name. Yes, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> and you also are an author. You have a couple of books that you yes, have under your belt, right? I do. I have to all who wander, which is. Um, the anthology basically of hurricane michael and that's how steve met you yes you can look that up on amazon and then my latest book is called fire flurries which is all about bay county post michael post um pandemic 
and the music scene and the creative scene nice. and how that developed. So. And you can find it on Amazon. Yes, that too. Excellent. Good. Sandy Marlisa, and that's Sandy with an I, and it's M-A-R-L-I-S-A. Yes. So if you want to look for her books. And they have a new album that will be coming out this summer, and we've locked the doors, so they're staying We're for... not going to let them out. ...few minutes after one. This is kind of like the Hotel California. <laughs> you can check in, but you can't check out. You can and never today, leave. Today's the anniversary of the release of that song, wow. believe it or not. Yeah. Spooky. Hmm. All right. Time now for a news update here on W. UGN. So why the heck are we playing Love Bug? That was a Love Bug Crawl by Jimmy Edwards from <laughs> roughly 1957-ish on Mercury Records. Oh. Wow. Out of Chicago. Out of Chicago. Wow. Yeah, Nin- Andrew 19- said 57. You're yep. correct. Okay. I had no doubt. You don't know where your socks yes, are, I, but I, you knew that. Well, I have my priorities, <laughs> and I still have the 45 of that. I know you do. So why That's are we great. talking about Love Bug? Uh, because when we got to the station tonight. <laughs> to WKGC. And we uh, we parked, we get out of the car, and we're covered by Love Bugs. <laughs> I probably it's probably symbolic. It's probably a good thing. No, they wanted me to play that song. No, <laughs> I was <laughs> telling you play the song. Exactly. I was being more romantic, and he just went right over his head. <laughs> and, and if you're just joining us, uh, you came on a good night. You did. We've got some incredible talent in the studio with us. Jack and Jen, go to their website at jackandjinmusic.com. J a c k a n d g i n music.com. Just remember, Jack Daniels. Gin and tonic. I'm going to try that when I get home, Jack and Jen. They are Eli Ingram and Mm -hmm. Sandy Marlisa with us in the studio. And we did lock the door, so you're here. And you had to listen to a little love. (laughs) Hey, that had to be some inspiration for surf rock, though. That was so, like you said, it was rockabilly. Yeah. But it's so surf rocky. Oh, it's absolutely. Oh, that was that, such that a jam. Slap back guitar. Yeah, it was yeah. So very good. cool. It reminded me a little bit of a song I grew up listening to. My grandpa had a little, what was it? Um, it had the same like, bum, 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 and it's like, Pshoo, Aladdin. Oh, sure. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. kind of like that one. So it's kind of reminded me of that yeah. a little yep. bit. With George Jones, right? <laughs> yeah, George Jones had, that, had the first version yeah. of it, yeah. That was great. Wow. With, with, it's like we're but playing music trivia. But listen to Gene trivia. Vincent does a great version of it, too. Oh, okay. But I digress. So, wait, wait, we said, so Love Bug is a good idea for a song for you guys. <laughs> we lock them in the room, and then we fill their minds with this inane stuff. And, and we got to thank everybody who is uh, texting us. Yes. Uh, some some wonderful comments. Really sweet people from the 773 area code 847-708-224-331. And you can text us at 312-981-7200. Loving the music with Jack and Jen. They're so intelligent. They're so refreshing. They're so much fun. All of that's good, you know? Well, so, yeah, we're moving to Chicago, like, tomorrow, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so I think on that note, we should shut up again. Yeah. And what do you guys want to do? Oh, well, which one do you want to do? Um, you want to grab the melodica again, or do you want to? No. Hey, let's, yeah, let's see Life Gets Better. Let's see that. Yeah. Okay, so here's a fun song about getting kicked out of a bar. <laughs> we call it Life Gets Better. It was an accident. It was actually a funny story. It's pouring down rain. They told us if you want to get paid, you got to play. It's storming. There's lightning. I'm like, oh, my oh, gear's wow. going to get ruined. I was like, all right, but we're going to do it. So we do it. <laughs> lightning bolts, everything. And we're like, dude, 
it's cold, it's raining, no one's here. Let's just start like writing a song. And so I started kind of doing this little thing. I told I told her to pick a key, and so we went with D. And I was just like, life gets better, in like this very desperate kind of way. And I'm not kidding D for you. Damn it! People ran through the rain, and they said, "Amen, yes, it does." They oh my did. God, you are speaking the truth right now. They really did. And we looked it at each like other. Church at this bar with this song, and, and we were like, I th- I think we have a song. This one's like. They ran through the rain for this. Then then we made the bar owner mad, and we can't play there anymore, but we got a good song out of it. So we turned it into a song, and it's called Life Gets Better, um, and then we also call it An Optimist's Bad Day. (laughs) I still really like that. Okay, go ahead. I love that. I love it. (laughs) How cool. And you know what? A twin spin with Bill Anderson's Someday it'll all make sense. Yeah. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Which we were talking about earlier. And yeah. it's like, we've, we've, oh, that's wild. Life can only, well, life is understood backwards, but you have to live it forwards. Oh. It's a crazy life. It okay. Is. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and come back for a few more minutes with Jack and Jen. Get your hands on their music. they got new music coming out this, sun, this summer. And it's J-A-C-K-A-N-D-G-I-N on WGN. Taking you back to where it started. Death Roll, Jack and Jen. Mm. I'm listening to the Man, lyrics more intensely now because oh, I'm yeah. thinking, okay, yeah, don't go near the water. The <laughs> gator's going to eat you, baby. <laughs> at night. At, at night. night, yes. They're really so... Um, they're I'm just, not going to walk on my deck at night. Yeah. I'm so scared now. Well, I, I, I love that for you. And I'm... <laughs> Good, good. You're I'm permanently trying to save scarred. People's lives. <laughs> we're scarred, but we're we're alive to talk about it. But, but also, I, I, my mind is going in two different places. Yes. One, that should be a theme for a Michael Lister book. Yeah. Hey. Oh, I've already. And you know what? I've had an author say, um, "We're going to talk because I might use your lyrics in a book." Cool. Sure. So. And cool. the other thing, uh, the last song you did, I uh, sent a note to Johnny. We have to introduce you at some point. You have to come to Chicago or they have to come down here. One of our favorite Chicago bands, the Empty Pockets. Okay. The yeah. Empty Pockets. Uh, in fact, I will send you guys links to... Please uh, to do, yes. Yeah. They, they are husband an extraordinary and wife. husband and wife team. And they've been uh, touring all over the place. They've been backing up Al Stewart. Uh, their latest album has been number one on the uh, blues alternative chart. blues charts. Wow. Uh, really, As they said, stuff. above Body Raid and Eric Clapton, which is huge. Whoa. I mean, you like, pinch me. Uh, <laughs> but that last song that you did reminded us of the kind of thing that, um, you know, the story songs that they like to tell, too. Yes. And there's that edge to them where you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want to see the four of you get together yeah. in this. That'd be and scary. I think it would be yeah, yeah, it would be. That would be so cool. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with uh, Jack and Jen. Actually, we're talking with Eli and Sandy, and you can go to jackandjenmusic.com, and you should. And their new album is going to be called The, the Salty, Salty South. South. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I cannot get Lavender Soul out of my head. <laughs> I am t- it's catchy, right? It is. It almost happened. In a, almost. In a crazy sort of... There's got to be a song. You've got to write a song, well, Lavender Soul. Well, there is a story. So I had left this necklace, actually. I'm wearing a rainbow necklace. It's my favorite one. I had left this back at home, and um, I was traveling or whatever, and I sent a text to my friend, and I was like, I was angry. I was having a bad time, and I was like, my soul is black. And he texts back and he's like, Sandy, if you had 
a color for your soul, it would be something like lavender. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's, that's nice. Like, and it was nice. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, yeah, you're right. I, I act like I'm hard, but I'm not. <laughs> It's just great. Probably something like lavender. Very docile. Uh, we've got about uh, four minutes left. Yes. Do we talk? Do they play? Uh, can you give us a little something to, a little walking music? A little walking yeah. music? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. I love it. <laughs> that is and, so good. And, and the choreography, and I have to, a little behind the scenes stuff, Caleb is doing a video. Uh, which hopefully you guys will be able to see because your choreography was <laughs> <Thank you>. just. <laughs> I like to emote. Okay, I am the character, <laughs> and hell's hot. Florida is hotter. I'm trying to save people's lives. You are doing a good job because I'm canceling my trip in July. <laughs> I'm coming back in November. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for this having us. Been a such a hoot. And uh, I've got to quickly say from a, a 608 area coach says I'm having. It's an absolute joy listening tonight. I love Jack and Jim and their uh, Jack and Jen and their music, <laughs> and I can tell you all are in a state of joy. Thank yeah. you so well, thank much. Thank you so much. And thanks thank you, everybody, so for listening, and thank you for having us. It means yeah, a lot to us. Thanks. thanks. So We're much. only going to let you go if you promise you're going to come back. Oh, oh All right. It's deal. a deal. It's okay. a deal. Okay. Don't twist <laughs> my arm. I mean. <laughs> More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Why on earth would we be playing Rose Garden? Oh, well, sadly, we've slipped into Sunday. Yeah. And in preparation for the show and resting up on Saturday... We missed World Naked Gardening Day. Uh-huh. Yep. World Naked Gardening Day. I'm sorry. I thought you said World Naked Gardening Day. <laughs> and my first thought was, how in do you prune roses when you're naked? Of Very if, carefully. If you, With it, a long set of pruners. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And where do you Absolutely carry right, Caleb. Where do you carry your tools? Uh, <laughs> You're naked. Uh-huh. And again, there's a difference between naked and naked. Right. Naked is is nasty. Naked is you're just, you know, a free bird. <laughs> oh, that we we got to explain free yes, bird too. Yes, we will. Yeah. Yes. Remind us Caleb but to come back to free bird. I'm I'm going to tie naked Gardening yes. Day, and with something that's coming up in Chicago in oh, yeah. one short month. Caleb, yes, yes. This is true. We're going to have to deal with this yes. as we're back in Chicago and I'm, as we're trying to get down on a Saturday night. We're coming down Lakeshore Drive to get to the WGN no, studios. We won't. Not on June 24th. Why would that be, dear? It will be Naked Bike Ride Chicago. It will be the 20th annual. Naked bike, bike ride, ride Chicago, Chicago from eight in the evening until midnight, and literally thousands of people. I mean, the drive is closed for these thousands of people. Now wait, you, you realize mm-hmm. there is a sizable percentage of our audience who follow us on Facebook mm-hmm. and who love the pictures we always post <laughs> of our drive into the station. They say. <laughs> So let's ride our bike that night, and we'll take pictures then. (laughs) Yep. um, Mark your calendar, June 24th. I was shocked to learn that it's the 20th annual. Mm -hmm. And I've often thought, you know, what sport is suitable to um, um, Uh doing, playing naked? Mm -hmm. 
and there are very few. And bike riding is right up there. I can't imagine if it's hot that night. And you get all stuck to your your bike seat. Yep. Not good. Um, when it comes to gardening. Rolling would, would <laughs> jump into my. Ew. <laughs> Playing pool. Ew. <sighs> Can you imagine? Um, when it comes to naked gardening, believe it or not, naked gardening is second only to swimming when people are polled about the thing that they find interesting to do naked. You know, it's just occurring to me. You seem to know a lot about naked gardening. <laughs> is there, well, is there all a, I can a say side is, of you that I have missed up to this if point you want in an education on your, If you want an education on Twitter, listen, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm all... You're, you're all a Twitter. I'm reliving what I saw on Twitter today. If you go to W... W, I don't want to give the wrong address. I don't want it to be one of those addresses, if you know what I mean. Uh, W-G-N, no, no. Uh, World Gardening, uh, W-G-D. Uh, anyway, you I s- thought it would be W-N-G-D. World Naked Naked Gardening Day. Day. Thank you. So Twitter slash W-N-G-D. Is it warm in here or is it just me? It's just you. <laughs> Well, you will see a whole bunch of people in their gardens naked, but many of them, because it was the coronation day, Mm -hmm. many of them have um, um, British... Their scepters? (laughs) They have British flags. (laughs) I bet. Lord have mercy. (laughs) My favorite, though, are the series of pictures with the men who say, I can't garden without my cap. (laughs) It's not a... Well, no, I'm not going to go there. It's not on the, you know. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, they actually have it. And Elon Musk is not taking those pictures down. I bet he wouldn't. No. <laughs> Steve, I want to see how you get to Freebird with this. <laughs> oh. Okay. Actually, Freebird, separate thought. As we were driving in tonight, we mentioned that we came through some of the 65,000 bikers that are here for Thunder Beach. <laughs> And last night, the entertainment for Thunder Beach was Leonard Skinner. And as we came back from, we were doing some shopping at Publix, came back, pulled into our carport. Opened our car door, put our feet into the driveway, just as Freebird started. Leonard Skinner, Freebird, we can hear it from our carport. And and it was like, like, okay. Yes. Yep. This this is a good Saturday night. And thank you, Skinner. That was their last song. We're out of here. Thank you, Thunder Beach. 10.15. Yeah. Kid Rock, on the other hand, 11.30. When you're a few blocks away, you don't want to hear that at 11.30. But that was the coolest way to to end that concert. And tonight, Saturday night, was Pantera. Yeah. And uh, tomorrow, everything's going to be quiet. We're not going to hear the, the, the rumble of 65,000 motorcycles But on the Sunday beach. morning is interesting. Yes. Because a lot of the bikers are pulling out of here. And They're all going to church. The, and again, if you're just joining us, <laughs> it, in this is the spring Thunder right. Beach rally, which only has about 65,000 bikers. The fall rally has about 100,000 bikers. Right. The biannual, and this was, uh, I think they, I read this was like the 25th annual uh, Thunder Beach, and we've mm-hmm. been here for every one of them. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. here, they're all clothed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, well, I don't know. Um, 
you've never been to Thunder Beach, have you? Uh, I have almost been booked uh, okay. to, to work it. Really? I have dodged that bullet. Because we walked over to one of the gatherings one time, and I said, isn't it interesting? Those women have a long line oh. of people to get their picture taken did, with did them. Did we ever tell you about Seriously. Yeah. Did we ever tell you about So we're on... Uh, this was Front Beach Road. A- anybody who's been to Panama City Beach, okay, Front Beach Road mm-hmm. and the, the west end of the beach. And, and they had tents set up and they had vendors and you could get your bike striped and all this, some other great cr- stuff. all this cool stuff. Yeah. So, so we're walking through some of the displays. And there's a huge crowd. And we come to this one uh, area of the display and there is a huge crowd and around, then- around this there were two women. Woman. Two women. Yeah, that's right. There were two of them uh, wearing bikinis, and the men are coming up and taking pictures. Okay. For $5. We get closer and closer until we are able to see, oh, those bikinis are painted on. Not a stitch of clothing on those nope, girls. Nope, nope, nope. Paint. I'm telling you, paint. Are you telling me paint? <laughs> and it worked. It was like, what? Um, but, again, it was family-friendly in the sense that if you were across <laughs> the street, the street they're, they're, they had their, yeah. got a bikini on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A listener from a 331 area code said, what about croquet? Naked croquet. <laughs> or not. Yet another lawn sport. <laughs> yes, yes. it's true. <laughs> and you're, you're looking for the wicket, you know, and... Yeah. Hmm? And your mallet. and hmm? I, I'm not going to go any further. I think we need to break. But before we do. What? Oh, the last caller. The, 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 they're starting moly. to flick the lights. Yes. And I thought I heard the, the, the sweeper outside there, too. So if you want to be our last caller, give us a call. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. You can't have won anything from this here radio station in the past two months. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have prizes if you do end up being on the radio with us as our last caller. And here's how it works. We take a bank of phone calls and Andrew on his last night here. The last night will give us a number and we will choose a number between one and that number. And the number that we choose. No, you know what? What? It's Andrew's last night. Andrew gets gets to choose the call. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's the least we could do. Right. Okay. So we'll take a break, and we will come back here with our last caller on WGN. Since this is uh, <coughs> Andrew Harris's last night, Andrew has got Johnny all choked up. Yes. I got so warm in here talking about naked gardening. <laughs> I'm not coughing. But that also answers the question we had at the beginning of the show. Did Johnny want a cough switch? Yes, Johnny gets a <laughs> cough switch next week. Okay. That could be arranged. Okay. So Andrew, on his last night, his parting gift is he chose line one, and Josh is our last caller tonight. Hey, Josh. Hey, Steve and John. I love your show. I listen to you all the time. I'm always up late. (laughs) Well, thank thank you. you. Where are you calling from, Josh? Chicago. Okay. North side, south side? Evanston. Oh, okay. All All right. North side. Why are you up at this hour? I, I work at a hospital, and mm-hmm. um, I get home late from working at a hospital. Which hospital do you work at? North Shore, a North Shore hospital. Oh, okay. okay. Evanston, we, North Shore? We know it well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I work for North Shore, and I work the late shift. All right. 
And it's kind of spooky around there late at night. Sadly, we've had an occasion to be there late at night visiting and being <laughs> there with family. But it is kind of spooky, especially yeah, down in the main lobby. Especially yeah, sure. with, with especially a piano. with that piano where the ghost plays the piano. <laughs> it plays itself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very weird. Did you hear the music that we had on earlier with Jack and Jen? Yes, I did. Yeah, very like good. It. it was good. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You are going to be sporting an exclusive WGN Radio Retro Logo T-shirt. And they really cool. are cool. Very cool. And you're going to get your very own desktop weather station from American Weathermakers Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. The 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com, Josh. We hope that you have a wonderful Sunday. Uh, Thank you. Wh- have a good one. Thanks to you and Johnny. Thank you. Hang on okay. for just a minute. We'll put you back in touch with Andrew. And, and while we put you back in touch with Andrew, uh, we should mention a couple things. Uh, first of all, coming up next week, where is my next week? The, oh, next week, uh, Patrick Crispin will join us. We'll yep. uh, talk about some computery things. Also, this is um, oh, Celiac Awareness. Awareness Month. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, what that means. Yeah, what and that means, what you need to know. Yep. And also, we'll introduce you to another very talented person from this neck of the woods, Aaron Bearden. Aaron is uh, a Renaissance man. Singer, songwriter, and owner and operator of a very cool store. Yeah. And he knows all about collectible sport memorabilia yeah. cards and, and baseball collectibles and this is going to kind of kick off a, a feature that we're going to do through the summer where we're going to be talking about collectibles and in fact you can send us an email or, or join us on facebook and tell us what it is that you collect that you would like us to talk about we're going to do antiques one night and we're going to talk to the guy that owns the oldest antique store in chicago mm-hmm. and he's written a couple of books uh, we're going to talk about comics one night we'll talk about guitars we'll have uh the people from uh Gigi's and sherry's uh yes. dolls and teddy bears yes uh so if you have a something that you collect that's kind of unusual that you think uh it would be fun for us to find out about that reminds me saturday was free comic book day it was and you didn't get your free comic book. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to get out to the, to the comic store. But the nice thing is, there are comic book stores here. Uh, in Skokie, though, one of our favorites is Aw Yeah, oh, yeah Comics. comics. It, it, if you've never been there, it is a wonderful comic book store. If you, if you remember the Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. and how they redid the comic book store after it burned down, where they had couches and things. Yes. That's kind of what Oh Yeah Comics is. Wonderful people up there and just a great atmosphere for the whole family. Well, exactly right for the whole family. And right next door to what is going to be Will's Place. Will's Place. And you've heard us talk about Will's Place. And we're going to talk more about that as they get ready to open it up at the end of May. But next week, we'll talk with Aaron Bearden. Probably get him to bring his guitar in. Uh, We'll talk about sports collectibles with him. We'll talk computers with our buddy Patrick Crispin. And there's a lot to talk about there. And we can't get out of here. We've only got about uh, a little over two minutes left, but Andrew's going to be the keeper of the clock. Uh, And this is, sadly, this is Andrew's last night with us. Uh, Andrew Harris, uh, who has been uh, our producer since we started uh, our show, version 2.0. 
<laughs> and Andrew is also producing Lisa Dent show during the week. And after a couple of weeks of trying to do all this, he trying realized to do, he wants yeah. a life. Seven days a week, right, Andrew? That's what it turned into. Yeah, not my uh, brightest idea. <laughs> <laughs> because quite honestly, and and we love him to death for doing this, but when he was offered the job, he says, I'm not going to leave the Steve and Johnny show. And when we heard that, we said, well, that's pretty cool because we kind of adopted him and you hate to have him just walk out on you. And he said, I'm not going to. But you and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago. We said, we're going to have to sit the boy down and tell him you're crazy. But actually, I'm still wondering, is there any correlation between Andrew debuting last week and doing karaoke and the positive reaction to his singing, and now (laughs) this week is his last week with us. Yeah, he wants to go to a better day part so he can sing, (laughs) right? Yeah, we're on deal. I'm actually blowing this pop school stand. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, well, oh boy. Uh, now if the truth yeah. comes out. I'll see if Lisa ever drives you home. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. <laughs> and does she, does Lisa make you brownies? No. Or pot roast? Or no. no. Oh, now I'm getting sad. We're losing Andrew to Lisa. She hasn't even called us to thank us. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll text her. I'll text her. I'll put it, I'll put it in her uh, schedule. Good, good. Okay. Um, it has been a pleasure working with you. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, you you made our our you made this real easy for our, us. Our version two point oh, so, yeah, so much easier. I'm just really uh, glad I could be a part of it. Honestly, it's, thank it's been you. A great time. And as a a Columbia graduate, I'm mighty proud of you too. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, next week. Uh, we, by the way, but once again, I have to say. Damn, this five hours goes fast. It did. Our thanks to our in-house executive producer sitting right here on my right, who's going to get me my own cough button next week, Caleb Jordan in here. Thank you, Caleb. Of course. Thank you so much. And he did a wonderful job engineering uh, and mixing uh, our music and even had a camera set up. Yes. So we could have some video. So there will be some video that we'll we'll let you know about. Also, our thanks to uh, Adam Phillips and Dan Long and Ron Brown and... uh, and Tom Hoots. Let's and not Tom forget Hoots, Tom. Yeah. Yes. He wouldn't leave until he knew everything was set up just yep. right tonight. <laughs> and most importantly, thanks to you for hanging out yeah. with us. We'll see you next week. News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom.